As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. family wow what an awesome week for nine to noon and your buddy paul allen and his conduit to the sound mad producer with reasons to be happy we got many reasons why up in the neighborhood and plenty of time to discuss it your elements today include earth wind fire mad producer and me Man, we got to switch out to uh, something acoustic right now. I'm just going to listen to this for like 10 minutes, all right? I mean, Reasons by Earth, Wind, and Fire on a Tuesday. Are you kidding me? What a silky, smooth jam to begin 9 to noon and good morning. Elite chill with Thanksgiving on the horizon. A Friday football feast at Buffalo Wild Wings Roseville on Friday. Badgers at Gophers on Saturday. Vikings at Seattle on Monday. I mean, mad producer, you should change your Twitter handle to elated producer because it's so cool having two relevant big spot football teams in this market. And good morning. Good morning. So many reasons to give thanks this time of year. And given that we focus a large part of our professional lives and even personally on sports, on with this. the fact that we are in the midst of a wonderful holiday, 
potential snowflakes on a beautiful Thursday. And we get to feast and carouse, enjoy family, and then it's border battle time. Yeah. Then it's beat Bucky time. Yeah. Then it's big dreams of going to Indy and potential college playoff implications time. And then after all of that, we got to get psyched up for Monday night in Seattle. How about that, baby? And it's Russell Wilson and Puna Ford and Pete Carroll and the 12s and everything. The Mm -hmm. next five, six days here, PA, Mm. are fantastic. And I am elated. Oh, Babu. I mean, two relevant big spot football teams in the same market. I mean, Boston has the Patriots, but nobody cares about Boston College football. New Orleans would qualify. You got the Saints in Nolens. LSU is an hour 15 up the road. Yeah. So it qualifies. Sky Yuma, Saints and Tigers, Sky Yuma. Ohio has the Buckeyes, but who in the heck cares about the Browns? Loud-ass Baker Mayfield. Teaser, though. And helmet-throwing Miles Garrett. Helmet-swinging Miles Garrett. Something called Freddy Kitchens, but they got the Buckeyes. You get the point. Two relevant big-spot football teams with something in common the next week, which happens to be this week. Huge games, and they're both underdogs. But Gophers and Vikings in the epicenter of big spot football may be underdogs, but they're not so they're not such big underdogs that it's like we reside in no chance nation. Yeah. But still, Gophers at home, underdogs. Vikings with a quarterback who's thrown eighteen touchdowns against one pick over the last seven games. Hmm. Underdogs in the Cappuccino Capital. There is there is a sneaky side dish. Like Thanksgiving week with the epicenter of football being the Thanksgiving meal. As we fade the music and uh, fire up the temper tantrum that is Mad Producer. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. So the the big spot football teams, the turkey and the stuffing and the staples the 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 sneaky side dish here the sneaky side dish would be like the green bean casserole oh or or the mac, the homemade macaroni and cheese the sneaky side dish is granted they may be small underdogs but there is a certain facet of it bad producer where as an underdog maybe nobody believes I mean, maybe Las Vegas certainly doesn't believe, but we couldn't care less about the opinions of the 702. Mad producer and yours truly, we like to analyze the opinions of the 702 and find vulnerability in said opinions and pop tags and scoop cash. Correct. That's what we do. Now, I'm I'm certainly not going to say from 
a football-loving or viewing nation. Nobody believes the Gophers can win. Nobody believes the Vikings can win. But we are underdogs. Yeah. And we embrace that role, don't we? Oh, absolutely we embrace that role. It's backs against the wall. It's bulletin board material. Yes, it is. It's members of the Badgers using the Gophers in their pregame speeches. It's acts on the line. We were lucky enough to win it a year ago. No chance in hell the Gophers could actually beat these kids from Madison two times in a row, or could they? Always. Oh, the Minnesota Vikings underdogs once again. It's Russell Wilson. It's Monday Night Football in Seattle. Nobody ever beats Russell Wilson in Seattle on a Monday night. We did hold him to 71 yards passing in a pick a year ago. Mm-hmm. Could we? Hey. Nine to noon is quite aware the Seattle Super Chickens in primetime games under Pete Carroll are 18 and 2. To which our response is We don't care. The quarterback has 18 TDs and one pick his last seven games. Does anybody feel that if the, or does anybody have the emotion? From a Golden Gophers football standpoint, like, okay, it's a border battle, so you want to beat Bucky no matter if you're bad, good, or in between. But now the implications obviously are high. I wonder if anybody has the emotion, I it, we shouldn't care what happens against Bucky because in the next step, we hook the Ohio State Buckeyes and probably will get killed. Does anybody have that emotion? I'm sure there are. I mean, that is that that's the... That's why it's difficult for me as a Minnesota sports fan. I don't know if if you can never get high enough to appreciate moments in a big game and what could be. Yes. How can you appreciate them when they actually come to fruition? That was philosophically beautiful. If you can't allow yourself to love, then maybe you'll never get hurt. But then Mm. ultimately, can you appreciate that high? And so if you never... If you never allow yourself, just as a fan, to enjoy the ride and the moment of what can happen Saturday at 2.30 p.m. at TCF Bank Stadium in front of a sold-out crowd. On the fan. After game day and Tommy's tailgates and everything included. And Babu's tweets. If you can't allow yourself to employ hashtag faith at this stage, then what you're simply doing is resigning the fact that you don't want to be hurt again. And therefore, you don't allow yourself to a dream and appreciate the potential. And so, ultimately, there are many fans that live like that. And I understand it. It's not a judgment thing. I just hope they can find a way yeah. to open their hearts in maroon and gold on Saturday afternoon. i got to give you this because it was philosophically strong and you channeled your inner Shakespeare. Well done. Learn to love. Crowd loving it. Allow yourself to love. Yeah, the, the about the only thing I could add to that from a philosophical standpoint, hashtag faith family, one year of love is better than a lifetime alone. Copyright Freddie Mercury. To the pulseless, if you look at this Badgers game, like be cool to win, beat the border rival, but we get Ohio State next, we'll be big dogs and probably we'll get killed. To the pulseless, that eliminates, as Mad Producer shared, the opportunity to dream. Seek dreams whenever possible, because in life and sports, 
It's a jungle out there, ma'am. Nothing is promised. Nothing is easy. ESPN's college game day is here. Nordo will be right behind the set with a sign reading, profiled by Sanford. I mean, that's a big spot. That's a big spot plug right there to extend the deal, continue shedding the weight, and make the account executive happy. Nordo right behind Lee Corso. He already has the sign. It will read, profiled by Sanford. Marnie Gellner will be right next to him. And despite being dogs, of course, we absolutely can win both. The Gophers are at home with a fresh-ass offense and a head coach who has made college football relevant in Minnesota. The Vikings are at Russell Wilson and bring maybe the NFL's best running back and a quarterback who is in MVP conversation. These are the good old days. Hashtag faith family. Embrace it. We have lived in Loserville, USA far too long to not fully enjoy what is in front of us. Don't let the pulseless harsh mellow. Give in emotionally and live for the food Thursday, the feast Friday, the gopher Saturday, the Giants on Sunday, and the Vikings on Monday. That, my friends, is the right way to live. Hashtag Faith Radio. Florio 935, Bowhunter in studio at 10, the Techie in studio at 11, Softy from Seattle with elite trash talking at 11.40. That bleep talking is going to resonate from Purim to the Puget Sound. And that's courtesy of TimberTech and TimberTech.com. Some gophers and badgers conversation around the corner. Eric Nordquist produces, and I'm Paul Allen. From the Bryant Heating and Cooling Studios, the full-strength edition of 9 to Noon continues shortly at FM 100.3 KFAN. It's PA. Two people been watched in the waters of Lake Minnetonka, and that's me and Prince. Right? Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. Fan. Programming on The Fan. Brought to you in part by Quick Trip. From the 7, Smith the back in the backfield. Morgan wants to throw. Lost one up for Bateman. Caught it. Touchdown. Easy as day as third touchdown of the day for Bateman. He now has the team lead with 10, and they beat Trey Williams. They just lofted it up, and he made it look easy. Jack will hand it to Jonathan Taylor across the 50, 45, Taylor the 40, 35, 30. There he goes, to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor, 51 yards. I like courtesy Matt LePay via Learfield College IMG. Order battle this weekend on the fan, 230. Grim, Thompson, Gerdsey, Golden Gophers, and Bucky. A trip to, um, a trip to the... Big Ten title game at stake. Crowd loving it. 922 FM 100.3 KFAN. Paul Allen, producer Nordo, Talker Tuesday, Bo Hunting Burnsy, Gopher Illustrated in studio at 10 o'clock. At that point, that's when he talks about the stomp all day in your neighborhood. Bucky got that ass stomped all day. Or will the stomping be of a different variety? The Wisconsin Badgers opened four-point favorites 
over the Golden Gophers in a game at TCF Bank Stadium. In a game where Golden Gophers quarterback Tanner Morgan is very efficient. The running game is very deep. There are at least two wide receivers on P.J. Flex team that are heading to the National Football League, and they both should be drafted in very, very preferable spots. Let's go to the 702 desk and figure out exactly why the Wisconsin Badgers are favored in this life changer. And here is Miko Brent Musburger. Yeah, after chatting with uh, with Pauly and Mitchie and just checked in with Ron Flatter, see how things are looking in the horse racing season, now, and chatting with everybody yes. at the Vegas Stats and Information Network. I have no clue. Oh, Wait, if you have no clue, the wise guy inclination, you you are you are wit. You are wise guy in training. Yes. So if a wise guy in training shares with a wise guy or wise guys, uh, they have no idea why a team is favored and they're not playing the preferential treatment card, then that leaves open the possibility the wrong team is favored. Whoa! Uh, the possibilities there! Diamond Joe Saturday money line. Border battle. Plus money, border battle, home team, feels like it. Right. Now, here's here's what I was looking at from, uh, from yesterday, though. So currently, mm-hmm. after it opened at four, it almost instantly jumped to two. Oh, it did. It did. So, at, at, But it's currently now, it's Badgers minus two and a half. Okay. And that 47 and a half point total, mm-hmm. I got to get down to Diamond Joe's. Let's just say that. What, for the over? Maybe. We'll okay. see now, it's how in- overs have treated me recently. <laughs> it's interesting you would say that because part of my set list or my uh, my notes for bow hunting Burnsy yeah. is that just mashing on it for 12 minutes yesterday, outside of Jonathan Taylor, with all due respect, I haven't been able to name a member of the Wisconsin Badgers since Joe Thomas played on the offensive line. It feels like that's in, that's going to be the issue Saturday. So yeah. yours truly spent 15 minutes on this mug yesterday in anticipation of a few things. And... In, in in just reading the minutiae from the rushing yards they generated last game to the way the quarterback's playing of late, just to, to certain facets of their secondary in knowing our defense and the types of games it gets into, I mean, it felt like a game of the overwhelming variety. Yeah, it did. And I'd rather bet on Gophers and Badgers putting up points than Daniel Jones and Mitchell Trubisky, but that's a whole different conversation. Oh! Ten and one Gophers and nine and two Badgers. The way that I'm looking at it here, both these teams, I mean, similar quality wins from the standpoint. Gophers handled Penn State at home. They were fourth in the nation at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, the Badgers early on in the season, uh, back in September, they absolutely smashed then eleventh ranked, now currently ranked again. They're doing well. The Michigan Wolverines okay. at home, thirty five fourteen. So now our only loss is on the road at Iowa. They tripped up against Illinois. That was weird. And then they got blown up by Ohio State. Wait, Iowa lost to Illinois? No, the Badgers did. Oh, the bat. Oh, that's right. The walk-off field yeah, goal. A couple of weeks ago, And yes. then they followed that up by getting pasted 38-7 at Buckeyes. Oh. So, from that standpoint, you're like, well, they, they have that hideous loss. Gophers haven't made that type of mistake. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, kind of riding current trends type of ways where maybe they're looking at, hey, 
Uh, they bounced back after Ohio State, and they, you know, they beat 18th overall Iowa. They went to Nebraska one handily. They just beat Brahms crew. And the key to all of this, Jonathan Taylor has run for 200 plus yards in those three straight victories. Jonathan Taylor is unbelievable. I think he has 12 200 plus games in his career. Yeah, might be close to Badger's immortality mm-hmm. uh, in that regard. So, and he is of the proverbial bell cow variety. Now, that's not in mashing on Taylor's game logs this year. This is under the assumption he absolutely is one of the best backs in college football because in prepping for Alexander Madison's preseason with the Vikings, last year when he was at Boise State, you would see amount of carries, Madison, right there, Taylor. Yards, Madison Taylor. Between the tackles productivity, Madison Taylor. And I'm like, damn, man, we got this guy in the third round. He's like up there in Jonathan Taylor's mug. Now, when you look at these offenses in total, though, I don't know how they're differentiating. As a matter of fact, I like Minnesota's offense right now versus the deep, versus the offense of the Badgers from the standpoint that our game mix from getting Tanner Morgan out there chucking it around yeah. at 247 a game, still running for nearly 200 a game, from a balanced offense standpoint, I think the Gophers are in a better position coming into Saturday. Mm-hmm. But time of possession, both are dominating in 35-plus minutes. 50% on third downs. total Same number of penalties this year. So when you look at how these offenses are constructed and how they perform, yeah. it's almost freaking identical. Yeah. But here's the difference. Yeah. Wisconsin has a minus 8 turnover margin in the last five games. Oh, my gosh. Con. That's key. 12 turnovers, just four takes for the Wisconsin defense in the last five games. Mm -hmm. That bodes very well for a ball-is-the-program-focused Gophers team. And they're on our turf. Now, the Badgers are just one of ten programs in the country that allow fewer than 100 yards rushing. And I think that plays into it. If you're an odds maker in Vegas and you're saying, wow, nobody runs on the Badgers, and you watch the Gophers in their one loss of the year, what did they... What did they have problems doing against Iowa? They couldn't run the ball. So you're facing a stout defense. Both defenses, by the way, top 10 in the country in total yards allowed. Wisconsin 7th. The Gophers are indeed 10th. So as I'm looking at this entire thing here, is it a bit of kind of like an equity play here? Yeah. I mean, it's, and I think, you know, as, as easy as it is to dial in on NFL games, and as good as, I mean, Vegas is elite at creating spreads and figuring out how to keep the lights on. Yeah. They have built monuments off of gamblers that visit the 702. Got you. So it's not that they're stupid in any regard. Yeah. But opening in this way, I'm having trouble statistically looking at game mix and overall results and say automatically at home, we're going to open this thing with the visitors as four-point favorites. Well, the in in 702-ing it from afar, having been to handling school, there are two things that jump out at yours truly. First, when the 702 opens something that worldwide will be the barometer for online and or ancillary Diamond Joes, oh, yeah. uh, New Jersey, just wherever. FanDuel, Sportsbook, all those bits. Boom. It It is making a statement where we recognize and appreciate and quite honestly are happy for the productivity, exploits, improvement, sudden relevance, and Lee Corso with your market 
come in, the water's warm. Yeah. Yeah, see, the, uh, right over there, that's the ticket taker, and there's no line. Right. So if you want to triple your wager, go ahead and triple your wager. Secondly, when a line, traditionally speaking, when the early lines come out early in the week, okay, so you got Saturday games here, line comes out on Sunday, that's when the wise guy whales analyze the initial lines, the ones who do it for a living. Not not Sauce, Creasel, and their group, .20, firing 300 on a line with two minutes before a game. Yes. The, the, the professionals, they analyze lines, and they mash. So for it to go four to two indicates to me those who know what they're doing came in heavily on Sky Yuma on the point spread and probably the money line. Conversely, the professionals and or wise guys recognizing that may happen, they waited for it, and then they came back yes. and knocked it up to two and a hook, though. No, and that, and oh, that's, it's so compelling. And that's where we're at right now. Again, I'm all over that total, but I still, I mean, it's, you look at this team, they, they slipped at Illinois, they lost to the Buckeyes, but otherwise they've absolutely dominated. They've shut out four teams this year yeah. by a combined 196 to nothing. I mean, when they're on, they're on. And Jonathan Taylor has a star yeah. factor. So it feels like that's how you start it. Right. But maybe the smart money might uh, move to the maroon and gold side throughout the week. I mean, if we're going to analyze star factor, Antoine Winfield Jr. absolutely has it. So does Tyler Johnson. So does Rashad Bateman. Well, I, I understand that. I bet you, know? you nationwide, with what Jonathan Taylor has already amassed in his career, oh, yeah. combined with a program that is certainly... Uh, far along the path of Helmet School versus the Gophers, who right. have made this massive jump, I, I look at star power being in his pocket. Okay, you inherently know more about college football than me because you do Gophers fan line. So let me ask you this question. Yeah. Maybe I should ask Corbu status. Okay. But he's not here, so I'm going to ask you. I understand. And I can't find Babu's tweets. Is Michigan State good? No. The, okay, so the Michigan State Spartans are not a good football team. Not right now. They are awful. Okay. They Thank are you. absolutely awful okay. right now. Thank you very much. And because it plays into this, when 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 lines are established in making somebody favored, strength of schedule has a lot to do with this. Yeah. And we chatted um, extensively about this up to the Penn State game. Mm-hmm. Turned out it didn't matter with strength of schedule, you know, with the, uh, the Fresno States and uh, Jarek McKinnon's team and... And um and and Zach Zenner's team and all those teams that we played. Yeah, all those ten win teams from a year ago that we played non conference. Where yes. Penn State had played a markedly more difficult schedule. They did. Which led nine to noon to analyze it like this. We are being acid tested for class in this game. Mm-hmm. And we passed the class test. The Gophers toughest two games, absolutely Pennsylvania State University and for the fat pig, right? Yes. Penn State, Michigan, the Ohio State, and Iowa. Correct. So I had Michigan State in there because I got no idea if they're good or bad. Their quarterback, Lou Erke, I think is his name, has been a complete L. Their their team is diseased. So the strength of schedule bit, granted, sways the way of Bucky. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State might win the national championship. Correct. So that's a big sway from the power ranking standpoint. But it's not that big of a difference with Penn State, Iowa, 
than Michigan, Ohio State, and uh, Iowa for Bucky. Yeah, and by the way, I mean, Ohio State, ultimately they lost 38-7, to and they lost on a freaking walk-off to Lovey's team in Champaign. Oof. That's just unacceptable. Con! You can't come in as four-point favorites and hang that freaking that yeah. Illinois L on your resume. That sucks! Uh, Bring it, Bucky! Much more on Bucky v. Sky Mom at 10 o'clock when Bo Hunting Burnsy of Gopher Illustrated is in studio. But around the corner, back to the pros, Florio, profootballtalk.com, next. It's PA. So I see Paul, and of course, sure. you know, my heart melts, and, <laughs> and, and everything, every other part of me melts. Right. Weekdays, 9 to noon, on The Fan. Man. Florio. Football feast. P-F-T. PA and... Michael, uh, happy Tuesday, early, happy Thanksgiving. How are you? I'm uh, doing great, Paul. How are you? Well, you um, you were really, really excited and stimulated by the uh, performance of one Lamar Jackson last evening, weren't you? Yeah, um, he he uh, he was uh, incredible, and a year after Patrick Mahomes was a guy that I think transcended the quarterback position. It became somewhat special that that we had never seen before playing the position in a way we'd never seen anyone play it. Here comes Lamar Jackson in a different way, performing at a level that we've never seen, performing at a at a at a level that no one else can currently match. It makes me wonder whether or not he's better than Pat Mahomes right now. I don't know which of the two guys I would want, Paul. Which one would you want? Well, let me, uh, I was living vicariously through your excitable tweets last evening, so let me begin there. Um, you, you have now framed it up Tuesday morning with, I don't know which one I would want, Mahomes or Jackson. I recall the tweet last evening was basically like, Lamar Jackson is better than Patrick Mahomes. So what do you believe? Well, right now, Lamar Jackson is better than Patrick Mahomes, but which guy would you want over the course of a career? I think Patrick Mahomes is a guy that's going to be able to continue to do the things he's doing for 15 more years. I think Jackson is a star that may burn very brightly. I just don't know how long it'll burn. And here's the other thing, too. I think we're going to see more players like Patrick Mahomes in the next 15 or 20 years because kids already are emulating Mahomes. And Mahomes is teaching young quarterbacks ways to move their bodies and ways to throw the football that we don't expect quarterbacks to move and throw the football. You know, we, we, we hear about the, the mechanics and the, the footwork and the positioning and the throwing motion, and Mahomes just whips the ball any way he sees fit. He can get the ball there. We're going to see more and more kids growing up who are trying that and realizing they can do it. But Lamar Jackson, I just don't think there's many kids who can do what he does. I think it's a once-in-every-20-years type of a performer. It goes from Mike Vick to Lamar Jackson. In 20 years, there'll be another guy who can do what these guys do. So I think Lamar Jackson is a more rare talent. And I think short-term, I'd want to ride this Lamar Jackson train as long as I could. Long-term, I'd want Patrick Mahomes because I think he's going to be playing a lot longer than Jackson will be specifically at the level that Jackson's at right now. Secondly, um, Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports Radio, Pro Football Talk, the radio show, PFT Live, and uh, NBC's Football Night in America. Secondly, and in closing on this, you had a tweet last night where it seems like it seemed like you were a little frustrated with the constant Mike Vick comparisons to Lamar Jackson. Am I accurate? 
Yeah, and look, I don't want to be critical of the ESPN broadcast. It's 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 become sport, and it's become tired to just complain about Joe Tessitore, complain about Booger McFarland. One thing I've noticed about Booger, though, he has a theme that he repeats over and over and over again in his comments, and we don't get a lot of analysis sometimes of the actual play that we just saw. It's just Booger's talking point, and his talking point last night was comparing Lamar Jackson to Mike Vick. I think Lamar Jackson is better than Mike Vick. I think Lamar Jackson has all the skills that Mike Vick had in a larger overall package, and he's more consistent, he doesn't make mistakes, and he puts in the work. The big knock on Mike Vick was that he just relied upon his God-given abilities and didn't get the most out of them. You know, those spectacular runs that we would see almost became a crutch for Mike Vick. Hey, I don't need to prepare. I'll just go out and do what I do. Lamar Jackson uses those God-given abilities in a very surgical way. The run last night that we saw where he stopped short of the goal line, he fell down, got up, and almost got in, he uses that as kind of like the psychological backbreaker. And I feel like that that was the moment that the Ravens just kind of lost their or the Rams lost their soul to the, Ram, to the Ravens. i got to get the team straight. Yeah. So I, I think Jackson is better, and I think he has a higher ceiling. He's got greater potential. And you never have to worry about hearing stories like the one Jim Mora has told publicly about Mike Vick just admitting, you know, he'd throw his, uh, throw his playbook or DVDs in the backseat of his car, and I think Mora, like, would see them in there. And The guy never put in the work. He never put in the effort, and he's admitted he didn't work as hard as he could have. He rely- And it's very tempting to rely upon incredible God-given abilities. The, the best players, though, are the ones who have the rare skills and put in as much work as the guy who's the fringe player that needs to squeeze everything he can out of every ability that he has to just make the roster. A couple of things, Mike Florio, with uh, Monday Night Football. Uh, under Pete Carroll, since 2010, Seattle is 18-2 and at home in uh, primetime games. Russell Wilson has never had a losing season through eight years. The only quarterback in the history of the NFL to do that. Uh, quite the challenge for the old Minnesota Vikings Monday night, wouldn't you say? Well, he's already got his ninth game, so the streak is there. He's the first quarterback in 100 years of NFL football to have a winning season in his eighth, eighth first year. So he can lose the rest of his games, and he's got it. So he doesn't need this one. The Pete Carroll primetime home game Monday night stuff, hey, that should give a Vikings fan concern about where this is heading and what may happen. You think about last year's Monday night game, what a debacle it was offensively. Now, I think the offense is better this year. I think the the uh, defense of the Seahawks had been a little bit worse, although, boy, they've looked better in recent weeks. They're kind of starting to gel. If Andre Dick's trade really helped. Yes. If they, if they can get Jadavian Clowney back, he missed this game against the Eagles, but he was just dominant two Mondays ago yeah. against the San Francisco 49ers. But, you know, I think the Vikings have more of a chance than I – would have thought they had and that I did believe they had when the schedule came out. That was just L written all over it. <laughs> now, you know, it's L in kind of like soft pencil that maybe could be erased. You know, I, I, uh, I, I, I'll say, hey, hey, look, the one over Dallas in Dallas on the Sunday night, mm-hmm. that was the first effort to change the narrative. But this is going to be even more difficult. It helps to have two weeks to get ready for it. And the stakes are as high as they can be because whoever wins this game, is going to be a viable contender for their division championship and the bye that goes along with it. With the Packers losing and the 49ers continuing to win, the Seahawks are hot on San Francisco's heels, the Vikings are hot on Green Bay's heels, 
And you look at Green Bay's schedule the rest of the way, you look at the fact that they hold the tiebreaker in the division, and they'll hold the head-to-head tiebreaker even if the Vikings win Week 16. The Vikings need to get a game ahead of Green Bay. And uh, it's not going to be easy when you compare the two schedules. Now, if the Vikings beat Seattle, you know, you got to start thinking about whether or not they can run the table. I think that that's how important this game is. And uh, there's a lot riding on it. You don't want to be the five-seed or the six-seed, obviously. You want to be the one seed or the two seed. You get the week off, and the week off is going to be critical in this NFC tournament because these teams are going to beat the crap out of each other. You don't want to have to play that extra game. Beautifully laid out. Uh, maybe the most intriguing thing to me, even more so than uh, the quarterback uh, having 18 touchdowns and one interception his last seven at the Century Link, where it's unbelievably loud, obviously, is the Vikings' pass defense out of the bye. And, and you know, Zimmer traditionally – when he heads into a bye, he's able to identify the atopic defensive problem and absolutely fix it. Here, it has been past defense. Now, Zimmer versus Russell Wilson, the, the three times they've met, Russell has five TDs and one pick, but he's only averaging 162 passing yards per game. That That is unbelievably compelling to me. The Vikings pass defense out of the bye. Do you think it gets better? Well, look, I think that they have to figure out how to hide Xavier Rhodes' weaknesses. Now, he's got some strength, but we see the weaknesses almost every week. There's either a big penalty or he gets burned for a touchdown. And I don't know what you do to give him the assistance he needs. I think having Andrew Sandejo back helps because he knows the system so well. He had a pick in that that uh, come-from-behind win over the Broncos. But, yeah, it, it, look. They've got great players, and Mike Zimmer is a master at coaching the defensive backfield, but Xavier Rhodes has become a liability. I mean, these are his last five regular season games with the Vikings. Unless he's going to take a huge, huge reduction. Even then, I wouldn't make him a starter next year. And uh, the question is, is he the guy? Is he the Achilles heel? Is he the guy that's going to make a bad play at a bad spot and cost the team the opportunity to get to a division championship or once they're in the playoffs, is he going to be the guy? that gets picked on uh, in a key moment and uh, gives up a touchdown or, or commits a pass interference foul. And he does have, still have some great attributes, but it just seems like all too often when somebody on the back end screws up, it's 29. Why, um, why does Jerry Jones get interviewed after games, Mike? Because he is the ultimate salesman, right? He, he chooses to talk. A lot of owners just get ushered out with their security detail. Jerry Jones talks at length after every game. He does multiple radio spots on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the flagship station of the Dallas Cowboys. He likes to talk. And, you know, that, that's why Jason, one of the reasons why Jason Garrett's the coach. Jason Garrett has had to sign on and has signed on for and has tolerated the reality that Jerry Jones is the face of the franchise. And he sucks all the oxygen out of the room, and you have to be able to coexist with that. And that's been the symbiosis in Dallas over the past nine years. Jason Garrett is fine with it, and the Cowboys are fine with what Garrett has done as a coach. Well, now, because Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones have put together a team that has Super Bowl talent, they're not fine all of a sudden with Jason Garrett failing to get the most out of it on Sundays. And I think the comments Jerry Jones made after the game, after the loss of the Patriots, as clear as they can be, the coaching change is looming unless, number one, they get to the playoffs, and number two, they win a couple of games when they get there. I think they have to get to the NFC Championship game at a minimum for Garrett to be back, and that's something the Cowboys haven't done 
since 1995. You, um, uh, you watch more league-wide action than do I. And um, within the last month or so or whatever, you were really raving about some facets of the San Francisco 49ers. And maybe flippantly, I was like, Mike, I ain't tripping over no 49ers looking at that bad schedule they played. Then they lost to Seattle. So now I got a chance to deep dive San Francisco during the decompression week and watch them annihilate the green and gold on Sunday night. The, the, you, I mean, you're right. You nailed it. You're an elite football mind. I mean, these Niners are really, really good. The question, where are the flaws? Well, the flaw is the quarterback. And there's some similarity between the 49ers and the Vikings in that if you force the quarterback to make a play to win the game, he may not be a guy you can count on. And when you look at the game from a couple of weeks ago against the Seahawks in overtime, the 49ers got the ball back. They went three and out with three incompletions, and they left too much time on the clock for the Seahawks to steal the game via a field goal. Two of those three throws, inaccurate by Jimmy Garoppolo. And, look, he's done some good things, but a lot of times and when you're dealing with a master offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan, you or I could throw the ball to the open receiver because the play design springs a guy wide open and you just lob it to him. The question becomes when you do get into that tough spot, when it is crunch time, when you need to step up and make the big throw, can Jimmy Garoppolo do it? It's not going to be a blowout win over the Packers every week the rest of the way. They've got some tough games, too. They go to Baltimore. They go to New Orleans. They play the Rams again. They play the Seahawks again. And I think it's going to come down to Week 17 at Seattle. And I think that game's going to end up in prime time. And it's going to be the winner is the one seed or the two seed, and the loser is the five seed. It's so much that's going to ride on that. And at some point, Garoppolo's going to have to make a throw. And there was something telling that uh, a couple of Seahawks said after that game a couple of weeks ago, and it went overlooked at the time, and I need to dust that off. They, were, they started to figure out what Garoppolo was doing. They cracked the code on Garoppolo. And that's, that's going to be uh, part of the challenge you know, one of these big games, Garoppolo is going to be potentially the liability, and that's the weakness. Now, look, he's not, you know, a, a bottom 10 in the league quarterback, but there's enough there, just like with Kirk Cousins. When you're in a big spot and it's time to make a big throw and not make a big mistake, what do you count on Garoppolo to do? And, uh, you know, I, 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 just like I said earlier, I worry about Xavier Rhodes making a big mistake in a big spot, and you know I worry about Kirk Cousins doing it. If I'm a 49ers fan, I dread the possibility Garoppolo is going to be the one who throws an interception or fails to make a throw at a time when the season's on the line. Okay. Um, In closing, permit me to get weird for a second. Hold on. It's Thanksgiving week, Mike, and 9 to noon gives thanks for your weekly inclusion and the boom and gloom nature of the segments. For that, we thank you. And you and your family have a wonderful week and a wonderful Thursday, okay? How's that weird? What's weird about that? Eh, because you get weird when I compliment you. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And there hasn't been a whole lot of gloom. Look, I, I've seen the light. I've seen the light, which is just the setup for the inevitable disaster. <laughs> right? uh, you're, you're the absolute best. Tell um, uh, right. young, young Alexander, the announcer, says hello. Have a uh, wonderful Thursday. And uh, um, despite being on 90-minute sleep, I will call you next Tuesday, okay? See you. All right, bye. Bye. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com. Gophers and Bucky uh, with bow hunting Burnsy of Gopher Illustrated in studio around the corner. Good morning. It's 9 to noon. It's PA. Last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. 
and Minnesota beats Northwestern 38-22. And for the first time since 1905, Minnesota has won 10 regular season games in a season. First win here in Evanston since October 19th, 2013. And the first time the Gophers have four road wins since 2003. And this is their seventh Big Ten win. They're 7-1. and one. Soft and warm, the quiet storm, KFAN, 10.03, on a Talker yeah, Tuesday. Good morning. Baby, I just don't get it. Do you Border it? battle. Bohani Bernsey, Gopher Illustrated, gopherillustrated.com is in studio now. His name is Ryan Burns, frequent contributor to yours truly. And a Sunday mornings with the sideline analyst, Justin Gard. Discussing Golden Gophers football, which has uh, been more than relevant. It's been quite relevant. It's been more than relevant this season. Heading into a, a massive game, just another massive game. Uh, this is Saturday, two thirty on the Fan. The Wisconsin Badgers are in town at Ryan Burns MN via Twitter. If you would like to follow him, like Nine to Noon does. Have you done any bow hunting lately? And good morning. <laughs> I wish. I wish it seemingly when you have a ten and one football team, it's a lot harder to get out in the tree stand. Now I have, I think thirteen trail cameras out there trying to do all the scouting for me, so that when I get to collect them at the end of the year here, I can go back and see where I would have made mistakes or not made mistakes. But you're the best. I'm hoping to get out here this week in um in quiet moments in the off in the office of somebody. If you got to know him intimately, would be your surrogate dad. And I'm talking about Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. <laughs> in some of the quiet moments in his office, he, he you know, before I execute my pregame recording toil or, or X's and O's with Mike Zimmer or just chilling out, waiting, waiting for whatever, he, he, whenever he's deeply immersed into his phone, okay, watching the trail cameras mm-hmm. at Zimmer Ridge Ranch in northern <laughs> Kentucky, I'd say, outside of winning the division championship in 2017 against Cincinnati uh, and or the Minneapolis Miracle, the most excited I've seen your surrogate father get is when, on one of his trail cameras, he sees a deer or he sees something transpiring on his massive property where he knows when he returns... There's going to be prey. He's got one of them cell cameras like I do, and I'm glad to see Zim and I are on the same page there. But there is nothing more exciting as as a deer hunter to then look at your phone and it says XYZ camera has sent you three new pictures, and you open it, and there's a dandy buck standing there, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, boy, we get to get out in that tree stand tomorrow morning. i got to get you over there one day. I mean, this is ridiculous. You have not been in that office with me and shared trail camera-related stories. The announcer will take care of that for you in the very near future, not from a football intel standpoint, but simply to share bow hunting related stories. Because with this trail camera, where he does get notifications, yeah. and the notification sound is different than when he gets like a text. <laughs> okay, so like I know what, what's coming in when I hear it, mm-hmm. and then I know to back off, take a peek at this sneaky little uh, uh, referee official thing coming up for the next game, and just wait. Because. He has some of those cameras set up at his deer feeders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the the deer will roll up to the feeder and then not do it right and, like, sniff it out because it's, like, all nervous and fractious and everything. 
and he will be rooting for the deer to do it right. Come on, you bleep bleep. Come on, get in there, eat it. And then, like, when something goes the right way with this trail cam, it's as excited as he gets. It's like a third and eight blitz where Mackenzie <laughs> Alexander is untouched, and he gets home. So you guys, your surrogate dad, Mike Zimmer and you, you guys are kindred spirits with this trail cam thing. I'm just impressed that you know that these deer do get timid upon these deer feeders. Now, it's not exactly legal to do it here in Minnesota, so I don't want any DNR officials listening thinking that that's what the bow hunter here is doing. But it's funny to hear you learn these things from Zim about the deer, and I didn't think I was going to be learning that today, so I've learned something new. Holy cow. Changing my best. Uh, you would love Zimmer Ridge Ranch. It would be Nirvana for the bow hunter, mass acreage, deer stands, bountiful bow hunting opportunities. And also what, what I've learned from the from taking the L related variety of Zimmer Ridge Ranch is the carnage and the damage raccoons can do on on the property oh, yeah. to to the um uh, to to the to the crops and and just really to everything you know I have one of my landowners out where I deer hunt and they had a pen full of chickens. Well, what happened was the raccoons dug underneath the pen, and they went from 20 chickens to, in the blink of, I believe, 24 hours from what it was told to me, there was one chicken left. Come on. They took all the chickens. So while those uh, raccoons may look very, very cuddly, yeah. they are they are predators out there. Why do you think Wisconsin opened a four-point favorite at TCF Bank Stadium? I heard you and Nordo talk about this, and I'm kind of on the same wavelength where I would I would assume this would have been a pick if you were to look how Wisconsin's been playing of late, and you would look how Minnesota's been playing of late. Mm-hmm. Now, Wisconsin opens the season, first six games, they pitch four shutouts. That's incredibly tough to do. I don't have to tell you that. But in each subsequent game since, in their last five games, and it's not murderer's row of offenses, mm-hmm. they've given up 20-plus points. Jeez. Minnesota's, On average per game. Yep. Whoa. 21 and, and a half, their last six. Gone with that now. In their three Big Ten road games, they're giving up 27 points a game. Gone with that now. And we're talking about a Minnesota offense that in every game except Iowa has put up 30-plus points. Yeah. And, I, I again, I'm not entirely sure. And This whole... I know there's a lot of weather terrorism bit with Saturday and what potentially could be transpiring, and everybody thinks it's going to favor the Badgers. Well, this is also a Badgers team that has lost nine fumbles in their last five games. Wait a minute. Cher said weather terrorism before I invite Khan to my driveway at 755 (laughs) Saturday morning. He knows what I mean. Well, I'm not Ian Leonard, Belinda Jensen, Sven Sungard, whatever local meteorologist that you want me to be. Yeah, but Ian Leonard, though. There's a, uh, there's a lot of smoke about there potentially being a weather system that moves through on Saturday, okay. potentially bringing snow. This weather system is currently in the Pacific Ocean. Come on! There's a lot of things that can happen between now and then, but if it is slick and wet or sneeting or snowing, whatever it may be, yeah. This is a Badger football team that's had a ton of trouble holding on to the ball of lately. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor alone has lost three fumbles in his last two games. Whoa. Now it gets slick out. I, again, I don't, I don't understand the line. Especially you talked about it. Sharps moved it down to two, then they kicked yeah. it back up to two and a half. Yeah, they must know something I don't because I see this much closer to fifty-fifty, if not Minnesota slightly favored here. The producer, con producer one, brought up brought up a good point about. You know, in the National Football League, when these when these when these experts set these lines, 
they're looking to create equal action so they can so they can absorb and, and suck up the juice. Yeah. Okay, now those are on professional games where Sundays there's wagering worldwide in mass. A game like this, a standalone well not standalone, but a big spot game at two thirty for a Big Ten West title and a trip to the Big Ten championship game to play Ohio State, mm-hmm. this is a professional version of a college football game. LSU-Alabama, professional version of a college football game from a wagering standpoint. So they're setting that line in search of equal action. So then the wise guys or the sharps bet it down to two, and and the mad producers come back the other way and make it two and a half. It's, it, it's bountiful action because of the magnitude of this game and the popularity of the teams. So I am one to believe that if Troy is hosting Louisiana Lafayette, and and they set a line at 16 and that sucker gets bet down to 9. Then somebody has some sneaky intel that three guys on Troy are about ready to get suspended. Right. If a line is set here at 4 and it goes down, then it's supposed to be set at 4. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, why are the Badgers, why did they open 4 here? Because the 702 knows there are going to be zillions of dollars bet on this game, and if they lay a 4... With the road team, those supporting the home team with with the with the nice offense are going to come in, and they did. It's perplexing to me. I mean, I I've laid out the case somewhat. I mean, if you want to get even more into it, we can talk about how the Badgers may be potentially without two of their starters for this game, where Whoa. their starting safety is going to be suspended for the first half because what? of an ejection penalty from Against the pre- Purdue. Yeah, and Whoa. then targeting. Yep, and then they're starting corner left with a concussion. Wait, two guys on defense? Two guys in the secondary, and last I heard, Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. They're pretty decent players. Saturday morning, 7.55, my driveway. I'll uh, I'll make sure the tank's on full. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, Bow hunting Burnsy, go for Illustrated, go for Illustrated.com. Uh, the Badgers quarterback, who is he and how good is he? He's more consistent than what we saw last year with Alex Hornibrook. He's a young man by the name of Jack Cohn. Now, he's not going to set the world on fire by any means. He's got eight passing touchdowns in eight Big Ten games, but just four interceptions. And that's where Hornibrook got into trouble last year in this Gophers-Badgers game was he got into a negative game script. And when you get Alex Hornibrook into a negative game script with pressure in his face, bad things are going to result. Now, for Jack Cohn, he has been dependable. I mean, he's been a little bit efficient. They just don't have a ton of options on the outside beside him. So he's going to take care of the ball. But if you're Minnesota and your game plan on Saturday, it's it's not going to be one no one else has tried to do to Wisconsin all year. You have to slow down Jonathan Taylor and try to make Jack Cohn beat you yeah. and try to l- rely on your two corners and Coney Durr and Benjamin St. Juice that have gotten you where you are at 10-1. So that's going to be the game plan is can you slow down Jonathan Taylor enough and can you get the offense, Minnesota's offense, that being out on the right foot, so they can get them in that negative game script. Saturday is going to be an incredibly early morning for uh, Ryan Burns. We will tell you what we mean when 9 to Noon continues at FM 100.3 KFAN. It's always game day on KFAN. Has a hole inside the 10, to the 5. The radio home for Gopher football. Barrels his way in. Touchdown, Minnesota Golden Gophers. FM 100.3 KFAN. The fan. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. 
As you may have heard, College Game Day is coming to Dinkytown this Saturday. You can go to KFAN.com, make the keyword Game Day, print off any of our signs. If you get it on TV, you have a shot to win a Gopher Sports prize pack valued at $1,000. And that features Gophers men's hockey and basketball tickets, a P.J. Fleck autograph mini, or, and much, much more. Row the boat. Skyuma. Go Gophers. Bang! Nine to noon. A little brassy right now. It's all funky at ten twenty. The techie from the Timberwolves and much more in studio at eleven o'clock. News du Norda before that. Uh, with uh, some conversation about uh, the Minnesota Wilds, dramatic L last evening, uh, the Timberwolves beating Atlanta, and um, some thoughts from Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski around the corner. But first, Bowhunting Burnsy at Ryan Burns MN via Twitter. Uh, Ryan Burns, frequent contributor to 9 to Noon for many years. Uh, his uh, website is goforillustrated.com. Subscribe in very inexpensive fashion and uh, go deep diving. On the Golden Gophers football team, it is gopherillustrated.com. Question. Uh, Saturday morning with um, ESPN's college game day. Mm-hmm. You know, Corso, Herb Street, the, 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 the bit. I mean, it's the bomb. It's here. It's at Northrop, from what I understand. Yep. Will you be standing behind the game day set with a sign reading, Will Bow Hunt for Food? <laughs> I was hoping that no, I could stand next to Nardo and potentially get on that uh, that weight loss thing. The way he's looking right now, down fifty pounds or something, Nardo. Oh yeah, I am indeed. Yes, gosh. He and Marnie Gellner have have tandem signs. His says "Profile by," hers says "Sanford," <laughs> and they are going to have it right behind Lee Corso. Yours, you know, right off the um, uh, right off the right shoulder of Kirk Herbstreit. Mm-hmm. We'll say GopherIllustrated.com has nudies. <laughs> And that undoubtedly will get people to come flying into the website for like a for like a penny or a dollar a day or whatever it is. Oh, uh, but how cool is it that college game day is going to be here and not only Spectacular. that Spectacular. It might be in the snow. Do you know when the last time was that college game day Whoa. had a snow event? You got college game day weather related intel you're so into this game. They were at a little place called Kalamazoo, Michigan, yeah. where the head coach of that Western Michigan team, PJ Really? Oh, wow. We call that a karmic convergence. Mm-hmm. The how, what do you think the ESPN College Game Day vibe is going to be like with with the snot nosed kids and the hyper kids and stuff like that and the signs? It's going to be unbelievable. Oh, I think so. I, I think it's. I know there's a lot of people that have reached out to me in the last forty eight hours thinking, you know, I don't, I don't really like the College Game Day is coming. You know, I think the team's going to be distracted. No, are you kidding me? But just the big spot games this team has played in and say their last three, yeah. you had the game of the century at the time between Penn State and Minnesota. Then you had to travel to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Then you went to Ryan Field last yeah. week, and I saw you saw the picture. Oh, freaking embarrassment. It's 11.02 a.m. They yeah. are kicking off, and there was maybe 3,000 yeah. people in that stadium. And then uh, those of the bow hunting variety who love this team thought I jinxed the bleep out of the team <laughs> midway through the second quarter where I'm like, cool, um, I can um, – I can, blow out the garage and run errands because this mug is over. Then, like, Northwestern scored, and I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it's it's fine. Northwestern sucks. We'll be fine. 
Yeah, you didn't jinx it. Gopher special teams just happened to rear its ugly head, which it's been doing all season. But you're obsessed with that bit. You tweet, you tweet <sighs> about it so frequently. When they stop touching the stove, we will stop <laughs> talking about it, especially in the biggest game in 50, 60 years this weekend. Dolly. Oh, I'm nervous. But even with college game day, mm-hmm. I, I think me asking you this, the casual fan in this market, yeah. especially the, co- the casual college football fan, mm-hmm. I don't know that they really even paid any attention to go for football before this season. Mm-hmm. And now it's ending, it's crescendoing, I guess I should say, with yeah. college game day, Big Ten West, Big Ten title spot, 11 potential regular season wins, and the winner of this game also gets to probably go to the Rose Bowl. Mm. I mean, how big do it, do you think it is, just having college game day in town? Because I think I've seen a ton of people talking about it. Bow Hunter, it's massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, because college game day... Uh, specifically with Lee Corso, the ultimate bit. It is, it's, it's college football immortality. Now, I'm not taking a shot at the amateur game. I, by admission, am not a big college football guy. I don't follow it nationally. I follow it from afar. I mean, I've become deeply immersed in this Gophers program, not only because P.J. Fleck joins 9 to Noon Weekly, Mm -hmm. but so do you and so on. And the team's really good, and it's been very, very compelling, stimulating, and intriguing. With all that said, even me being college football guy from afar, college game day is on in my living room every Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. If only as background, because I like watching the snot-nosed kids and seeing what their signs say. Right. And I like the energy, and I like the vibes, and I like when they throw it over to the bear or whoever that bit is with his gambling touts. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and I like the stand-up things they do. So ESPN's college game day is football viewing immortality, yeah. whether you like college football or not. It, it's, it's on every Saturday morning in my house. I think it is for everyone, and that's where I think having it here for the first time and everyone getting to experience it, you can go there 8 to 11 at Northrop, and then you can go back out and tailgate before the game at 2.30. I, I just think that the atmosphere on campus mm-hmm. is going to be sensational on Saturday, and I even think the lead-up to this game, you guys talked about it um, in the 9 o'clock hour, just enjoy the week. This We haven't seen this kind of a week for a gopher football program in so long. Regardless of the result on Saturday, yeah. soak in the moment while you can. Bo Hunter, we are the epicenter of football because ESPN's college game day is here stamping that. And then the eight and three pro team takes on the nine and two um uh team from Seattle in a standalone Monday night football game against Russell Wilson. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the Saints, you know, New Orleans, they got the Saints with Drew Brees, the HOF, an hour and fifteen up the road, you got LSU. That's legit. But outside of that, like Boston as the Patriots, nobody cares about Boston College. So we're kind of the epicenter of football right now. Thanksgiving food on Thursday, elite. Friday, the football feast, Buffalo Wild Wings, Roseville, elite. Saturday, root for P.J. Flex team. Sunday, root for the New York Giants. Monday, root for the Vikings. I mean, does it get any better than that? Seems like a pretty easy roadmap to follow (laughs) if I was uh, the casual guy. I think you laid it out pretty well. Good Lord. Uh, What head will Lee Corso don? (laughs) Because he's going to put on one of those those scooch-made heads. I would, again, I think Minnesota should win this game 55-60% of the time. But that doesn't matter to Lee. I know. The bit matters to Lee. And I think he was going to want to spin that head round and round, that golden gopher head, and especially in front of that, that <laughs> those fans. That's what I would do. I, I think... I bet he raises the gopher's head. 
<laughs> well, the Saturday question is, morning. who's the Gophers picker? Yeah, that's um, the celebrity picker bit. I saw it over the weekend. People were like uh, Bud Grant and uh, Lindsey Whalen and stuff like that. What? So, like, when is that decided? It's got to be decided, I think, here in the next 24, 48. My two picks would be either Brock Lesnar yeah. or Ric Flair. Why Brock Lesnar? I mean, I know it's, is it MMA or UFC or whatever? It w- I mean, it, it but has Brock been... from Minnesota? I thought it was from North Dakota. He went to the U. Oh, he he graduated. I mean, he was an All-American yeah. wrestler here. Oh, was on, he was on 9 to noon weekly for like a year and a half. Or could you imagine Ric Flair coming out in a maroon and gold robe <laughs> and coming out in two claps and a Ric Flair getting everybody going? Oh, that's a wonderful idea. Oh, I had Ron on yesterday. The only person's name he could think of was his own. Always. So we, we, I, I like <laughs> Lesnar and I yeah. like Flair. Okay, now wait. Ron the, has has uh, has nominated himself. He said, you know, I got yeah. Fox 9 duties, but I'll shocker. figure out how to get... Over to the game day stage, if necessary. Okay, now wait. Uh, The announcer is tripping. The Ric Flair tie. What's the Ric Ric Flair went to the University of Minnesota? He's from Minnesota originally. Here. Oh my God. He is. Yeah. So you. I mean, you could have Whalen. You could have. You could have a bunch of different people. Is Ric Flair still a thing? Yeah. In the world of wrestling, he's immortality. Oh come on. What do you mean? Is he still a thing? That's the answer. I mean, all time. God bless Bud Grant. I mean. I mean, it's kind of tough to not have Bud Grant, but I mean, Ric Flair for the energy of it and Corso's head and stuff like that—it's elite. That's what I again. That's that would be my pick personally, yeah. but we'll see what ESPN decides. So Flair was born in Memphis, but then his adoptive mother worked for the Star Tribune, <laughs> and he lived in Edina and uh, briefly attended the University of Minnesota. That's oh the God. answer. That's the answer. He's Woo! one of us. That is the answer. And everybody knows who he is. Exactly. Um, what's the best way to slow running back Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> well, if I had the answer, Can I think... Can you tackle him, maybe? I mean, just not miss tackles? That, especially if it's going to be a slot fest out there. There's a reason he's gone 200 yards every in the last three games. Each one of them. Now, Joe Rossi last year in will, this game in Madison. Will you learn at Football Minds, please uh, take note, that I did not say stop. Jonathan Taylor. Right. I said slow. Okay, so we're looking to slow. I mean, hey, like that Sunday night game, Vikings against Dallas, no Linval Joseph, the team stopped Ezekiel Elliott. Yes. So maybe that can happen, but I would prefer to look at it uh, as a slowing So what process. Wisconsin's running offense is is a lot of counter, a lot of power, and they got these big corn-fed Wisconsin offensive linemen like they always do. Mm-hmm. Now the question is going to be, can the Gopher defense stay disciplined? Can we see that Thomas Barber and Kamal Martin stay in their gaps? Can the defensive line make sure they don't get moved out of their gap or three yards down the field There you go. so that Antoine Winfield can come through and knife and make the tackle at the line of scrimmage just like his father did for so many years there you go. in the Minnesota Vikings uniform, but... I think it comes down to tackling between Antoine Winfield and the other safety, Jordan Howden. Now, Howden went from a burn victim last year, was his true freshman season, to he's been much, much better, especially tackling in the box. Mm-hmm. But it's going to come down to them. If they make that tackle near the line of scrimmage, it's yeah. a four-yard gain instead of 64. Uh, Bo hunting Burnsy, what's next if we lose? <laughs> All right, if they lose, um, obviously Wisconsin goes to the Big Ten title game, mm-hmm. and P.J. Flex got two weeks to recruit. Now, You'd still have a 10-win season, first 10-win regular season since 1905, first seven-win Big Ten season ever. And you're looking at probably a bowl game. It, 
it could go a lot of different ways, but you'd be going, it'd be January 1st. Oh, yeah. You'd be down in Florida. It'd be either. Like the Outback? You'd be the Outback Bowl. You have an outside shot at the Orange Bowl. Oh, hell yeah. Gator Bowl. Any one of those. Um, So if they do lose this weekend, obviously no Big Ten West title game. Gotcha. Or Big Ten title game, that is. But you still get a January 1 bowl Uh, game. How excited will the fan base be if they win? Watch out, Dinky Town. Right. (laughs) I mean, this is the biggest spot game in so, so long. And you get a fan base that retains the axe for the first time in back-to-back years since 1993-1994. You beat Wisconsin to go to the Big Ten title game. You have an outside shot if you beat Ohio State in the Big Ten title game of the college football playoff. Now, that's going to be a tough ask, obviously. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but... it would be great to dream. You'd be a top-five team with one AP poll left. And what else could you really ask for if you're a Gopher fan base? You've been waiting for this game for 50, 60 years. I mean, my father's 59 years old. This is the biggest spot game in his lifetime for Gopher football. And, And that's where... You look at even the resale market, Yeah, the Gopher Badger ticket is the hottest thing in college football, and it's not even close. To get in the door right now, it's like 270 Whoa. bucks. So are Wisconsinites, per usual, picking up a lot of tickets for this game? Oh, and by the way, in Minnesota, there are probably a lot of Madison graduates. Yeah, well, where do you think Madison graduates come to get jobs? It's in the Twin Cities area. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding <laughs> Well done, but we're talking. I mean, and was- Wi-Fi exactly. So Wisconsin actually returned some of their allotment to Minnesota because they didn't sell it all out. So do I expect that there's going to be yeah. twenty, thirty percent, maybe thirty percent Badger okay. fans there? I still think the maroon and gold. If you're not, if you are a diehard fan, and you're not at this game, I understand the weather terrorism and everything. Yeah. But what are you waiting for? Yeah. Because a moment like this hasn't come around in a very long time. And if you want to experience it to the fullest, I think you got to get to TCF Bank Stadium. Nine to noon, wholeheartedly gives thanks for your inclusion weekly, amplifying our college football coverage. For that, we appreciate you. Uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Best of luck to uh, whatever teams for which you're pulling this weekend. And um, have a great Thanksgiving, okay? Appreciate you. Ryan Burns, gopherillustrated.com. Back after this. It's PA. There are many, many positives I can get out of this game. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. Nardo, right back with you for Profile by Sanford. I am down 50 pounds since the beginning, uh, well, middle of July when I started this program. And it's not just about eat as little as you can, lose some weight, and they kick you out the door. No, this is long play related in the terms of making a lifestyle change making a change that's sustainable, learning new habits, making better decisions at the grocery store, and ultimately making better decisions at the dinner table. My energy's through the roof. I'm exercising on a regular basis. Uh, A lot of things have changed for me for the better, working with Profile by Sanford. There are six locations in the Twin Cities. Learn more about them. Very cool. Get to the website, ProfilePlan.com, ProfilePlan.com. Visit the walleye capital of the world this ice fishing season. Borderview Lodge is now booking winter ice fishing trips. They have day house packages including lodging and ice fishing available and sleeper house packages with your own private plowed road access. Experience the walleye masters at Borderview Lodge this winter. Grab your buddies or bring your family. Visit them at borderviewlodge.com. Be sure to check out their new property, Settlers Point, for a private group setting with a bar and grill on site. The best ice fishing in the state is at Borderview Lodge. Book your trip today at Borderview Lodge. Really cool event that uh, the fan does every year. It's the fan, it's the Vikings, and the U.S. Marine Corps. We're at Fleet Farm in Lakeville for the 2019 Toys for Tots Drive. We're broadcasting all day. Put this note in your calendar. It'll be 
December 10th from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Excuse me, 5.30 a.m. all day till 6.30 p.m. You can meet us from the fan, Vikings players, cheerleaders, and you get to help a great cause, which is the most important part. Bring an unwrapped toy to donate. Mills Fleet Farm, Lakeville, December 10th. It's the Toys for Tots Drive. Shot at awesome Vikings and stations. Prizes, KFAN.com, keyword events for the info. It's time for Paul Allen on FM 100.3, The Fan. News Denord. Brought to you by Canterbury's Card Casino. It's poker, it's blackjack, it's table games, and uh, the cool part about all that is it's all year long. So go to CanterburyPark.com for all event-related details. Number one. Start with the Minnesota Timberwolves, PA, 125-113 winners on the road in Atlanta last night. Cat, incredible, 28-13 and 8 assists with three triples, liking that. Wiggins, uh, a few less assists than we've come to expect from him, but he still dropped 25-7. and uh, The key or the, the most interesting nugget from this game, other than the fact it was good that uh, the team wins on the road, they're 6-2 and two away from target center this year, which is awesome. Uh, the key to this is... News came out shortly before the game. I saw it from John Krasinski of The Athletic that they were making the move that now Jeff Teague was going to come off the bench and that rookie Jarrett Culver was now going to be starting at the guard spot. And ultimately, the news came out that this was something that Teague actually championed. He was behind this. So this is a thing? This is not just like one game? No, Jared Culver moving forward is going to start at the guard spot. Oh, And here's Ryan Saunders after the game talking about a conversation he had with Teague in relation to putting Culver in the starting spot. Jeff Teague is, is a professional, and he is a man. And Jeff... You know, he feels strongly about you know, Wig and Cat and these guys. He wants these guys to succeed. So, you know, it came about with him and I just having a casual conversation, um, you know, over things. And uh, we just talked about where he, he was comfortable, um, what could help the team. And he said, hey, I just want to win, man. So, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, I'm good with whatever role you want me in. And um, I just, I can't say enough positive things about um, that interaction and how he handled that. That's Ryan Saunders, and and a key to all of it, it's not that off-the-bench Teague was spectacular last night, but when the Wolves were trailing 10 at half and they needed to come out of the third quarter with some bleeping life on the road, yeah, Teague was a big part of that. Coming off the bench in the third quarter, fresh, lit it up a little bit, Wolves go on to win by 12. Uh, very, very interesting way to frame it up uh, because I didn't look closely enough at it where I kind of thought that this was a short-term thing. Uh, the crafty nature of Jeff Teague coming off the bench fortifies that unit. I don't mind that. Uh, Because I left the game last evening, and I'm going to get into it with the techie here in about 20 minutes, is I want to talk out Robert Covington. Um, And and I've kind of slow played this during the course of the year. Yeah, he's not great right now. Well, you if the thing is you have to you have to watch it closely enough and remember who he was when we got him last year. And how he immediately became my favorite player on the Timberwolves. Because of his overall game, his bulldog nature, his inherent toughness, and the kind of guy I identify as somebody, if you want to advance through the postseason, this is somebody from a mental toughness standpoint on whom we can, or with whom we can ride. Now, if you look at Robert's game logs throughout the year, you're going to see some good rebounding efforts. You'll see a five steal game. And you will see, for the most part, requisite box scores. To the trained eye, he's not the same guy. 
and I don't know why. And I thought it was telling last night when they were finishing off a bad team, and they were up by like six or eight, and there were like two to three minutes and change to go. He was not in the game. So I'm going to get into that into that a little bit with the techie. Uh, the point guard situation definitely is very interesting. Atlanta is awful, absolutely awful, as I put on Twitter last night, due to feng shui-related reasons. I've actually watched the Hawks a few times over the last couple of weeks. Alex Len, though? It's a ridiculously unorganized situation. Yeah. Ridiculous, specifically defensively. And and Bembry can play every so often. DeAndre Hunter looks to have a decent future. Trey Young, obviously, is a star in the making. Uh, but it's just an unorganized freaking mess. And they and they, they refuse to play defense. So I felt if the Wolves lost last night, it would be one of the two worst losses of the year, along with that Washington disaster a couple of Fridays ago at Target Center, <laughs> which in its own right was ridiculous. Uh, but they were able to win, win a high-scoring game, gave up too many points for my liking, but that's how they roll. And uh, onward we go. Onward we go, though, for a team now that's 9-8. and eight. Now... The games that I am watching, PA, mm-hmm. whatever Saunders is trying to accomplish in the, in the long term, I like the positivity and the energy and the pace of this team. It's yeah. an entertaining product. Now, no, no doubt. Is it going to drop off? That's what my question is as they go to the Spurs tomorrow night. Then they host the Grizzlies later this week, which they, they need to bounce back and win. John Morant left the game last night with a nasty fall. He might not even be in the mix when they're at Target Center. Whoa. But then they got to go... To your beloved Luca. Yeah. Then they go to OKC. Then they go to LA well, to face uh, the Lake Show in Phoenix. I see, mean, that's a tough little road jag coming up. Yeah, the, the, the Timberwolves, I don't know what the, the number is. Hopefully I'm not wrong on this. They never win in San Antonio. No matter if Pop's team is good or bad or whatever. I I, I, I mean, have trouble there, yeah. Unless they've won there recently and I'm not thinking about it. I don't I can't remember the last time we won there. I'm thinking it might be like three, four, or five years. Yeah. Uh this version of the Spurs this year. More unorganized than you would expect a Popovich team to be. Patty Mills, though. They're giving up a fair amount of points. Rudy Gay has seen his better days. LaMarcus Aldridge is nearing the end, but he's still good. And uh, DeMar DeRozan can be unstoppable from that two spot. So it's a winnable game for the Timberwolves. And if you look at the, the hierarchy or the complexion of the Western Conference, many are waiting for Portland to just push a button with Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and Hassan Whiteside. And just push the button and just go zipping by these teams in the Western Conference. It's not happening. There's six games under 500 right now. And they lost to a Cleveland team, I believe, over the weekend that was Sands Kevin Love. Ugh. So, yeah, let's, I mean, just go ahead and keep waiting on this Trailblazers bit. Okay, so is New Orleans really going to jump out of its skin when Zion Williamson returns? Maybe, but, you know, we need to see it first. And so on and so on and so on. Making the playoffs for the Timberwolves this year is not a probability, but it certainly could be a reality. And they're seventh in the West right now. Number two. To the NFL, Lamar Jackson, unstoppable. From the seven-yard line, Ravens third and goal. Tight end in motion, shotgun snap. He rolls out of the pocket, cocks his arm, throws a pass. It's caught by Steve at the five, runs to the pylon near side. Touchdown! Ravens have done it again! A fifth touchdown pass for Lamar Jackson. This time, Willie Sneed sneaking in early fourth quarter. 41-6, the Ravens over the Rams. 
Kevin Harlan, Westwood won, one of the best, 45-6, to the final score of Monday Night Football. Lamar Jackson, the star of said show, 169 yards passing, but five touchdowns, 95 rush yards at the quarterback spot. Uh, they they That train from a rushing attack put 285 on Aaron Donald and that Rams defense last night. Methodical ass-kicking the Ravens did to McVay's team. And now, I mean, I'm looking at this this Rams team, and this is good for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, you don't want the Niners to go 15-1. and one. You're hoping for bye weeks and all these things. I get it. But you're looking at, through 12 weeks, the Vikings at 8-3. and three. They're currently the second wildcard team. Go beat Russ in Seattle and bump yourself up a spot. But right now, non-playoff teams, the Vikings have a two-game advantage on them. The Rams were a four-loss team until that until last night, obviously. They're at six and five. Yeah. So you, you got five games to go, three of them at home. Yep. Okay. Handle your business at US Bank Stadium. Yeah. Playoffs week by week by week starting to look more like a like an obvious or or a very probable or likely scenario for the purple. Mm-hmm. So you like that the Ravens handled themselves. Lamar Jackson is just pure artwork on television. It is incredible to watch him play, and I'm wondering what the hell's up with Goff and that O line and the Rams. From a Viking standpoint, if the team from eight and three out of the bye does not make the postseason, it is an unqualified flop. Yes. And that's the only way to look at it with all due respect. Um, secondly, uh, with Lamar Jackson, he is the NFL MVP. Uh, he is prohibitively favored to win said award. A lot of things would have to turn around for him to not win it from this stage. Um, and thirdly, they they beat New England, okay? And they beat New England rather confidently. With this, with Earl Thomas as a crafty veteran on the back end of their secondary, and they will give up some passing yards, and their pass rush has not been as good as Ravens' pass rushes from days gone by. If I just don't know how you stop this offense. I don't know how anybody in the NFL schemes it up the right way to stop this offense because it's multifaceted and it uses all facets of the field. And Lamar path, Lamar's not going to be a 70% guy. And Lamar's not going to go on a series of straight seven-step drops, step up in the pocket, wiggle, and fire deep as a true pocket guy. But he works the pocket well enough and it's such a confident group with enough players, including this tight end Andrews, where they get open, he finds them, and the yards after catch are terrific because the safeties, corners, and linebackers are so wound up over the quarterback. It's I'm not going to say it's unstoppable because everything is stoppable, including Tom Brady. I just don't know what you do to slow this read option and to slow the play action when he wants to go deep. It's fascinating watching this team. Number three. To the Minnesota Wild, Brady Shea got the opening goal for the Rangers last night at Madison Square Garden. Then Zach Parisi ties it. Ryan Donato showing life. He gets his second goal of the season to make it 2-1 Minnesota Wild. A one-goal lead on the road, but then Ryan Hartman takes a stupid tripping penalty with three minutes left, and then the Rangers tied it up. Now just under three minutes left to go in regulation. Hartman to the box. Play underway, deep in the wild territory. Panarin centers a pass, shot score! Just like that, the power play clicks for the New York Rangers. Back behind Alex Stalock, we're knotted at two apiece late in regulation. And then just 30 seconds into OT. Panarin with it in his own end. 
Leaves it for D'Angelo. D'Angelo all by himself. Between the circles, shoots, he scores. Do you believe that? 32 seconds into overtime, a wrister from the near dot beats Alex Stalock. And once again, for the second time on this road trip, the Wild lose in overtime. It's the Rangers that grab the extra point. Okay, you watch more of this game than me. Yeah. Uh, when you were texting me last night in mad producer-like fashion, I was watching Wolves Atlanta. So I missed the Hartman L. And when when I caught up, I just, just first of all, you watch more of this game than me. Yes. What, what did you see and what did you not like? Uh, I don't like the fact that this team can't close. It's becoming it's becoming an absolute, you know, disorganized has been kind of a theme of some various aspects of things we've talked about today. Yeah. Uh, they... Once they had this lead, this is the second game in a row on the road where they've completely lost their minds. And once it goes to three-on-three overtime, we have no speed, we have no skill, and it's the second time in a row we've taken an L with an opportunity to grasp two points. Now, when you text me, I jump into it, okay? And then all of a sudden, it's a complete meat grinder, so I watch the three-on-three. And and this goes back to the three-on-three versus Boston. I I just schematically... Those more learned with with the world of hockey know more about this than do I. A personnel thing when it comes to three-on-three. In that Boston game, with all due respect to hockey immortality, Zach Parisi, I have no idea what he was doing when he let that guy come right right down the chute and win the game. I have no idea what he was doing. Same thing last night. Your your guy gets the puck to the right of Stalock up by the blue line and, like, makes a half circle and skates right in. There's no... There, there's nobody in front of Staylock, nobody to block the shot, and he wins the game. Yeah, I just don't understand how that possibly can happen to any team at this level. Uh, at this stage now, since three v three became a thing, they're a league worse, like twelve and thirty two or something in overtime. Uh, it just, it's purely almost. A, it feels just like a personnel thing to me, which is a massive problem yeah. for this team as they're trying to get out of the cellar and they're not closing games. And we'll end with this. Uh, First of all, Josh Doxson was waived today. Linebacker Cameron Smith sent to the active 53 for your Minnesota Vikings. The Doxson experiment appears to have come to an end. Uh, But Kevin Stefanski, uh, we record a vignette every week where we get the opportunity to hear from him daily. Uh, Here's today's edition. How did the uh, self-scouting go last week, by the way? Yeah, really good. Um, I think our our Position coaches did an outstanding job. You know, we structure the thing so that you have one coach that's really in charge of third down and one coach that's in charge of the red zone and so on and so forth. So those guys are areas, their expertise is in those areas. So they grabbed it and they pulled it apart and kind of found some things that we were doing. Uh, and some of it's really good. You say, hey, we're good at this. Well, let's, let's double down on that. And then some other things you say, all right. Why are we lacking in this department, and is it uh, something that we can fix moving forward? Did um did you put the quarterback in bubble wrap so he comes back exactly the same? <laughs> you know, he walks in the building exactly the same every day. He's uh he's I've said it a thousand times, but he's a pro's pro, and uh, he's you know playing that position. You got to be yourself, but I do believe there's something about not getting too high and not getting too low. So if he's if he's done anything well this season, I think he's just come to work with that same attitude, same mindset. Whether it's a Monday after a win, Monday after a loss, it really hasn't mattered. Well, uh, for the for the love of uh, Uncle Ed and uh, Pastor Don, I am knocking on wood with this one. Cousins is playing very fast right now. What um, what are some things you genuinely like? about the run Kirk Cousins is on right now? 
Yeah, I, you know, it, I think he's doing a really nice job along with his teammates of, uh, you know, whatever the game calls for. And I think he's mentioned that a few times. And that's the truth. We, we, we want to go into a game. We don't want to have to get into a game that we got in versus Denver, trust me. But we need to adjust and adapt to whatever the game calls for. So I think he's done a really nice job of that. When there's plays to be made, whether he's it's from the pocket on third down, he's on the move, he's, he's getting the ball to the right guy, and, and as everybody sees, he's as accurate as, the, as there is around the league. So he's doing a nice job, and, and it's really an, an offense that, you know, I give a ton of credit to the players. They're they're They're, they're taking the coaching. They're putting it out there with great effort, and and hopefully, you know, it's got to continue because now's the time where you got to play your best football. Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski in his daily report with UPA. Weekdays, 9 to noon, and uh, that's courtesy of Quick Trip uh, during most weeks. Also with the Vikings, uh, wide receiver Chad Beebe. Um, there was some thought maybe with uh, within the covenant that he would be able to return late in the season, uh, but that is not the case. Chad Beebe is going to be lost for the season for the Minnesota Vikings, so moving forward, your receivers will be Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Olabisi Johnson, and Laquan Treadwell. When we return, the techie, Aaron Gleeman, AaronGleeman.com, on basketball and baseball, that's in studio, the Brian Heating and Cooling Studios at FM 100.3 KFAN. It's PA. I have these notes, but I gotta say, I'm just fired up to be here today. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. The Fan. Find KFAN1003 on Insta, Instagram. Give us a follow and a like to be registered for your shot to win an awesome Northern Star pendant and love your melon beanie from Wedding Day Diamonds. It's the perfect gift for the woman in your life. Wedding Day Diamonds, the place to go for holiday shopping. Winnersville sounds better in FM. Winter is coming. What a nerd. The Techie. Boy, Atlanta is, um, Atlanta's just awful. I mean, we, um, all three of us now have become League Pass snobs, uh, with, uh, with Khan, the producer, uh, Khan Producer One, watching League Pass every single day. You and I have done it for years. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's, uh, League Freak or, or Funk Shui related scouting, as I mentioned to Khan, I've fallen into some, some Hawks games of late, including within the last week against Uncle Ed's team. Uh, because I compensate Langston Galloway uh, over the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to scout a couple of things in search of threes. So I watched Uncle Ed's team dismantle 
yeah. uh, this um, this this Atlanta Hawks team in Detroit. Uncle Ed, of course, being Ed Stefanski, father to Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. Ed runs the Pistons. So I fell in. I this Hawks team is just awful. So if we had lost last night, it would have been a freaking disaster. And good morning. Well, I saw your jinx attempt at the beginning of the game. Basically, like if you lose to the Hawks, just shut mm-hmm. it down. Right. I think was your exact quote. And so, they almost did it. So when so when does somebody put something out on Twitter like that? Yeah. What is the X amount of times you can do it before you are not considered a jinx? Well, here, okay, so... To wit, to wit, early second quarter Saturday, Gophers dismantling this awful right. Northwestern team. I haven't watched Northwestern play football since Dennis Lundy was fixing games. So now, you know, I'm like watching this going, oh, my God, this is awful. We are markedly better. There's no way we lose. So we're killing them. I put I put uh, the splashy tweet out Saturday like, cool, I can blow out my garage. I can run errands. Right. I can do all. I don't have to watch any more of this. Northwestern goes on a little run. Sky Umon Nation comes at me. Gophers win by a mile. Crickets after that. So there was no jinx there. There was no jinx last night. What uh, What is the threshold here? Well, I joked about it, but at baseball is maybe the worst at that with no hitters because anytime a guy has a no hitter through like six or maybe seven innings, yeah, uh, every beat reporter covering that game, how can you not tell your audience that a no hitter is being thrown? Yeah, and yet a half of them don't do it or they'll get real cutesy about it, like you might want to turn the TV on. Something's happening here in Seattle or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and then half of them that do it their replies are just awful because yeah. it's like, oh, you're going to cost them a no-hitter. And here's the thing. There continues to be no-hitters every season in baseball. I assure you that every no-hitter has been tweeted about and talked about on TV and radio and in every bar and in every living room. Mm-hmm. The idea that a jinx, it's one of the weirdest things about sports is like you have to be so superstitious that no one actually believes that. Right. But yet it's so ingrained that, like like right. you said, no one actually believed that you have the power to allow Northwestern to score yeah. you know, 21 unanswered points. Yeah. But, and yet I'm sure you had a dozen tweets that were like, how can you do that? Yeah. And it's like, I don't have the ability to affect the game. What but, you? Again, but again, it's it's A, it's your narrow casting leader, so you can't tell what the tone of the tweet well, is. Well, that's true. Yeah. Whether people are mad or whether people are just messing around. Now, like Sunday true. at Diamond Joe's. I mean, you got Khan over here trying to turn fifty into twenty eight hundred in an elite sixteen sixteen parlay, and he's got five in, and he needs the over in the Giants um, Bears game over thirty nine and a half forty whatever. And yeah. all of a sudden, they start charging at uh, at that total, and um, and the the person with with whom we went, Cotton John, my neighbor's like, oh, you can't lose this. Well, that I agree. That is that's called being a mush. That is the worst thing you can do. Cotton John's yeah. like, Nordo, you got it. L. As Eddie Pinheiro misses another field it goal is, in something called Rosas. Is nothing on the but Rosas. It is funny. I just tried to be like so logical about like no hitters. And then you brought up gambling. And I'm like, well, that I would murder someone if they did yeah. that to me in gambling. Well, that's a completely different story. Well, we got to be respectful. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's called etiquette. Okay. It's yeah. etiquette within gambling. And I don't know if I coined that term many, many years ago, but nevertheless, it's something I've used forever being racetrack trained. I think um, I think it, it initially was coined when I was covering horse racing for the Pasadena Star News at Santa Anita. And there were a couple of shysters doing a seminar like into the races and they were selling their picks. Can't remember what their names were, but, you know, after taking it in one time, I subsequently called them. Batman 
and rob them. <laughs> I always love that one. And then the uh, the term etiquette subsequently was uh, was invented. Uh, etiquette. It's like if 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 Khan has a two hundred dollar win bet on a five to one shot at Canterbury, and the techie has a two dollar win bet on a favorite at Canterbury, and they're storming down the stretch together. Well, it's bad etiquette for Techie to just like go right. go notch yay, yay, yay. When Khan's sitting there sweating, pulling in a grand, you know, and then like in your face Milwaukee after your favorite wins with your two dollar win bet, and Khan loses by an Eddie Pinero head, subsequently would have cost him a thousand dollars. Yeah, or like if you're at a blackjack table and the person next to you is playing the minimum and there you're you maxing out on everything and they're going nuts talking about who's stealing their cars and mm-hmm. who's doing this. It's like, all right, everybody calm down. Aaron Gleeman, AaronGleeman.com, at Aaron Gleeman via Twitter. Uh, writes about the Twins and baseball at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. He's an elite everything mine. Um, I want to get analytical here. I'm going to set it up like this. Trey Young is fantastic, but can be a turnover machine. That's true. I mean, it's a little bit like, uh, I don't know, you watched like when Russell Westbrook was a one-man team uh, in OKC a couple years ago. Yeah. They rely on him to do so much and to just the, the, just the the number of dribbles he's making in an average game. Mm-hmm. He's gonna turn the ball over more. I mean, I think he's great. I mean, I think he's sort of like a poor man Steph Curry in a lot of ways, well, that, where he can just bomb away from whatever. Yeah, and he's better about getting to the basket than I think people would think just looking at him. Okay the the analyt the analytical aspect of it is, is where I need you to massage your elite techie mind. Okay, when it comes to turnovers. How does the techie view turnovers? And, and you, you kind of laid it out nicely there without even knowing what was coming. The top turnover guys in the NBA, in order. Got to be Harden, number one. James Harden is number one right. at like five and a half a game. Trey Young is two. Giannis is three. Luka Doncic is four. Right. And Devin Booker is five. One of those one of those three guys might win the MVP. And I mean the top four that you named are I think the clearest example of sort of one man offensive teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like if you watch like you watch Giannis or certainly James Harden, he just is initiating everything. And so you can say, yeah, he's turning it over whatever you said five and a half times a game. But if you took twenty percent of his possessions yeah. and handed them to you know whoever else on the wing or whatever other point guard, they'd be turning it over you know one and a half times too. So like I actually think sort of you have to look at and when this is an analytical stat that you can get is like turnovers per possession or turnovers compared to usage, yeah. which is basically shots and assists. Because it's one thing to be a wing guy who's just shooting corner threes and driving and not initiating, and you're turning it over three and a half, four times a game. Yeah. But if you're someone like James Harden or, or Trey Young, where the ball is in your hands 90% of the time, the fact that you're turning it over five and a half times per game isn't even that crazy because they're not going to turn it over 20 times a game because Harden's got the ball half the time, and he's only doing five and a half. He's a late. Wow. What a great NBA mind. Want to chat out Robert Covington and more with the techie when we return. It's PA. I am very proud of myself. Boy, am I impressive. What a play by me. Weekdays 9 to noon on The Fan. The Fan. Hey, join Tenna B and Pat Micheletti at Wildcats in Egan a week from today, next Tuesday, 6 to 8 p.m. at Wildcats in Egan. They're playing bubble hockey, and it's thanks to Michelob Golden Light. You'll have a shot to compete for an autographed Minnesota Wild jersey. Learn it all. The info, kfan.com, keyword events. 
this uh, this number undoubtedly is from the Con Collection. Oh yeah, uh, which means I'm not familiar with it, but I like it. What is it? Who is it? Where we find it? This new Snoop. Come on, baby. Oh, we got Snoop with Pharrell. This is Snoop. Hell oh, yeah, it is. Oh, oh it's very, very nice. Don't forget very about funky. Uncle Charlie. Very funky, Uncle Charlie. Robert Covington chat momentarily uh, because it's bugging me low key. But um, League Freak. Yeah. The most well respected, hard to win fantasy basketball league in the country. It's been in existence 21 years. Yours truly, the the manager and coach of a team called Feng Shui, is a two-time past champion. So therefore, there is equity when it comes to the waiver wire and decisions and dialogue and stuff like that. The producer of 9 to Noon, Mad Producer Juan, the con, as in David Kahn, artist, is in his first year. He had the first overall pick in the draft. He took Carl Anthony Towns. Followed it up after the long snake of coming back with Kyrie Irving and Devin Booker. After that, the young man took uh, Kyle Lowry and Chris Middleton. Young man did a very good job drafting. Um, our mutual friend, it's the Lions. Uh, our beloved Doogie, Darren Wolfson, elite basketball mind, always has been. Uh, he, too, is a past champion. Uh, he is in first place. Right behind him is Khan. Right behind Khan is Funk Shui. So the Gleeman Covenant is hitting the league freak trifecta. Yeah, really? Three people deeply rooted in your basketball-loving soul are one, two, three right now. And uh, it's absolutely wide open as of now for the rest of League Freak. All three of our teams are stacked uh, different ways. Now, yours truly, Funk Shui, uh, employing Rudy Gobert, Hassan Whiteside, Luka Doncic, took him at nine. People giggled. He could have gone second or third, and we're all good. Along with uh, Marcus Morris, elite waiver wire pickup very early in the season, getting about seven rebounds a game, so on and so on. I win rebounding by a mile every single week. The con artist over there with Cat, Kyrie Irving, Devin Booker, Lowry, Middleton when they're when healthy, Harrell from the Clippers, very very good deep draft guy. He's winning points and threes every single week in a walk. So Con and Funk got together on a swap last week because I need help. I, I low-key needed points and threes help, and low-key for him, he, he wanted to bolster his rebounds and, um, and, and his assists from a big guy. So we swapped. We made a straight swap. Okay, let me hear this. Yours truly sent DeMontis Sabonis okay. to Con okay. for Devin Booker. Ooh. I mean, how about that high-end swap? That's, a, that's like... Yeah, is this a league? Would you say there are an above average number of trades in this league, or a below average, like in general? Ooh, I can't answer that because I don't know how. Yeah, how, that's true. I don't play fantasy football, so I don't know how trading works. The uh, I've already experienced more trade requests in the first four weeks really? of League Freak than I have in the last three years Same. of fantasy football. Because it's interesting. Because on one hand, you would think everyone is super invested, literally and figuratively, yeah. in this league, so they're always trying to improve. Yeah. But on the other hand, everyone in this league. Uh, as anyone who just heard PA's uh, three-minute intro to the segment uh, considers themselves a basketball expert, yeah. so they may not want to make trades because they may oh, think no the guys they picked are oh, yeah. like super special, yeah. as you would say. Well, I mean, I've been in this league two decades, Khan's in his first year, and we right. still experience the same thing. We are attached to our players right. we drafted and or picked up on the waiver wire because we put the work in to find them. Exactly. But you also have to recognize with Khan and I looking to hit that exacta. Him first, me second, me first, him second. Uh, we both have very good deep teams. Um, 
So, of course, in patented uh, trade-like fashion, my first game with Devin Booker, he shoots 33% as 19 points. His first game with Sabonis. He only had nine rebounds. He only had nine rebounds, didn't have more than 20 points, free throw 62%. (laughs) The best, it was great. No, but I, well, first of all, I don't love that I know both your rosters by heart, but I do like the idea that he's getting Middleton and hopefully Lowry back, so he doesn't necessarily need Booker, and you're getting, at some point, Gobert will not be injured, and you still have Whiteside, so I don't know. I feel like that's a win-win type of trade. Yeah, the 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 announcer um, also has a D'Angelo Russell oh, on the right. mend. Right. So eventually when you play funk, you're going to look at three guards who are Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, and uh, D'Angelo Russell. And all we can say uh, is hide the women and children. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. You guys are lucky that you got, that team doesn't actually have to play defense. They can just go out there <laughs> and accumulate stats because they would give up by 145 a game. What, um, uh, what does the techie, I'm going to set it up like this, we'll play off of it. What does the techie, Aaron Gleeman, AaronGleeman.com, what does the techie think of Robert Covington's season? Uh, boy, that's an interesting question. I think he's been solid. I don't think he's been as good as he looked pre-injury last year when they first got him. Okay. Uh, which I wonder if he's still kind of rounding back into shape a little bit to some extent. Could be. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I also, it's interesting that defensively, he often hasn't been getting what I would consider the toughest assignment, which when he first showed up from Philly last year, mm-hmm. they would just put him, almost regardless of position, mm-hmm. on the number one threat for the other team, whereas now you're seeing a Kogi, no you're doubt. seeing Graham, you're seeing them do some other things where I think they've they've tried to not hide Covington, but maybe like take a little of the workload off him. But I, I don't think he's been great. I think he's been solid. Yeah, uh, It's nice that Wiggins has stepped up so that we're actually – not having a conversation about, well, who is even the third best player on the team. Yeah. This season, I would say Wiggins has been the second best player on the team, which is a completely different story than it was last year. Okay, so I do think it's fair to agree for whatever the reason, with uh, neither you or I being with The Athletic or TheAthletic.com covering the Wolves like uh, Johnny Athletic, Yeah, where we're not in the locker room, we're not secretly talking to Ryan Saunders and or Greg Farnham or whomever and trying to figure out exactly what's up with Robert. So as Rubes, who follow it very closely every day, knowing the importance of Robert Covington and the long play to this team being good, playing defense at key moments of games, and making the playoffs, he has not been the same as last year. And when he rolled in here, man, he became my favorite guy. Because, like, I went to some games, it's post-Viking season, had more time, and I'm, like, close to the floor, and I know you're happy for me, and I'm like, what a bulldog. I mean, this guy is so mentally tough, and he's such a bulldog. And he's so tenacious and and really, honestly, consistently, it's just not the right. same with him this year, and it's bugging me. I think that's true. I don't think he's been bad by any means, but I think you're right. Like, when he first showed up, you looked at him and you said, this guy is like a perfect secondary player yeah. or role, you know, high-end role player. He does everything well except sort of initiate his own shot. And even that, he's not horrible at, but he was hitting threes. He was guarding the toughest guy on the other team. Like you said, he was, you know, the effort level was off the charts. I, I think for whatever reason, it hasn't been there. My, you know, I think the easiest explanation or the most obvious one is he's just not quite right physically because okay. otherwise, why would it be? Yeah. Like, he doesn't strike me as a guy who well, who ebbs and flows from an effort standpoint just game to game. But, but why it could be, and I'm sorry to clump no, on, your, okay. on, uh, on the analytical one, he is playing a new position. Right, he's playing He's, he's playing power bigger, forward. Yeah, that's so true. He, you know, and that, that legitimately could play into it, but Techie... They're closing out weak Atlanta last night. They're up by six or eight with with two, three, and change to go. He's on the bench. Right. Covington's on the bench. 
Yeah, I mean, I, the thing about playing, because, yeah, you're right, he's mostly been the four. Uh, or, you know, they basically play one big, one point guard and three wings, but he's been the biggest wing, basically. But I also wonder at yeah. this point, like, how often is he having to guard a big in that scenario? Because so yeah. many other teams are playing wings at the four, too. But, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of a different scenario. I wonder if you can get access to the All-10, like uh, like via NFL, NFL yeah, Game you Pass. You can get access Spectrum to the All-10. Spectrum Sports, I think it's called, or really? something like that. Yeah, you, I, well, you want to see, like, what position is he actually playing yeah. in terms of who he's guarding. I mean, specifically with uh, some Wednesday time off, no work Thursday, some off days coming up. Yeah, well, that's crunch numbers. Yeah, I wouldn't mind spending 30, 35 minutes watching Wolves all 10 yeah. to see who Covington's guarding, where that guy goes, and what's happening. Yeah, that's interesting. It'd I be mean, fun. I, I think if it's more about not being 100% healthy, then if he gets to 100% healthy and Wiggins keeps playing like he is, yeah. this is a potentially very dangerous team. But the, the, the bummer of the last couple weeks has been, I think they've played okay. They've had a couple bad performances. But I just want to see this team healthy to actually get a sense of what we're dealing with here as a full team. Mm-hmm. And with you know Wiggins being gone for a while, and then they lose Teague, and they lose Napier, and now they lose Lehman, and they're losing all kinds of guys. Like there has been very few games this season since the opening week or two where they've had like their top eight or top nine together, and maybe that's just life in the NBA. But like I, I it's I'm curious to see like what they're capable of if Saunders can put out the exact rotation he wants to put out, yeah, and and play the right matchups that he wants to play. Because I mean they fought hard and been banged up, and I mean the last couple two three weeks they've been playing with basically maybe mm-hmm. six out of their top nine guys or ten guys a lot of the time, yeah. uh, including they've been lacking at point guard, they've been lacking at, at shooting, certainly, yeah. and some of the lesser guys have stepped up, and Cat has certainly stepped oh. up in a huge way, but like part Cat's, of me just Cat's goes... game is phenomenal. Th- they're a tough team to play right now, even when they're banged up, but part of me thinks like if they can get healthy and yeah. Coven can, can get back to where he was last year, are they like a legit Good team as opposed to just a tough team. Uh, do you love watching Carl Anthony Towns casually walk into 25 <laughs> foot makes? I can, uh, <laughs> it's a good take you had on that. Oh, that tweet last night by you was so emotional and special. It is crazy though because like he's shooting Ow. nine, he's attempting nine a game yeah. and he's making 45% of them. And we saw the one against Gobert in Utah that was like a 29 footer. Yeah. And then we saw uh, the one last night where he's just, there's like 18 left on the shot clock. Yeah. It's, they're basically just walking into the offense and he yeah. just gets it and he just goes, you know what? Yeah. I'm 40% from here. Why not? And yeah. he just, I mean, if you would have said there's a five years ago, even if you would have said to anyone, there's going to be a seven footer mm-hmm. who averages like a dozen rebounds a game and is legit center and he's going to be bombing nine three pointers a game. Yeah. It would seem impossible to me. And yet, I don't think they're forced necessarily. He had the winning band one at the end of the game the other day, but these are in the flow of the offense, I guess, in part because they've built basically the whole offense around him yeah. being able to extend to the perimeter. All right, um, I got three minutes, and yeah. um, and so when we get to the baseball part and the hot stove bit, just, just fire. The what? Is this another sport that I haven't learned about, baseball? Yeah, just, just fire away with quick-fire okay. answers coming a momentarily because I have two things that I have to get in okay. from the Timberwolves standpoint. The first, the first one's incredibly controversial. That that's why I want to bring it up. You ready? Who would you rather have and why if starting a team? Carl Anthony Towns or Luka Doncic? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. Uh boy. I think I would say Towns, but there might be a little homerism to that. I think that's very I mean there's certainly Luka and it's yeah. not close. Well, of yeah. course it's close. No, it's very close. But do you th- like I don't think Towns is a great defender, but I think Towns is closer to being a positive no. on defense Honey, than Luka is. Luka doesn't play defense. Right. And so I wonder like 
He has no time for no. that with his 40-point triple-doubles that I mean, he's putting out run, every he's night. He's been on his absurd, yeah. of course. But, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. It's a very controversial I'll take Collins, question. But I'm a homer. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, weekly Wiggins watch. Yeah. Okay, we do it every week. I'm not going to. Softy's going to have to wait 40 seconds. Weekly Wiggins watch. Hitting 33% from three. Yep. Um, which you nailed when we argued low-key about a month ago. Hitting 33% from three. Averaging five assists a game is last 10. Averaging more than a block a game for the season. Holy cow. Yep. Um, he has arrived. That's it. He has arrived, and there is no rearview mirror. I think that's right. I mean, I got a little worried when he missed, like, what did he miss? Four games, I guess, there. He leaves for a personal thing, then he's hurt or he's sick for a couple games, and I thought, uh-oh, yeah. is he going to then return and not be what we saw early in the season? But mm-hmm. the effort level is still there. I think the offensive efficiency is still there. Mm-hmm. You saw last night, like, he's t- if, if if they switch and he has a smaller guy in him, he immediately takes them down to the block and tries to get to the basket. So, yeah. I mean, he has been the second-best player by far on this team, and if you go back to this point last year, we were talking about whether he should be on the bench, whether yeah. he's just a complete lost cause, and yeah, yeah I agree. It's he, He's still doing it. Do you have a favorite Thanksgiving Day food item? Uh, here's my controversial Thanksgiving take that I arrived at about two years ago with my family. Yeah, okay. My family has all the traditional stuff, but I would have liked to grow up in a family that has macaroni and cheese on Thanksgiving. I feel if you grew up in a family that has great macaroni and cheese for Thanksgiving, that is a tremendous sign that you have a good upbringing. My family not once has had macaroni and cheese at Thanksgiving. Yours truly uh, makes homemade macaroni and cheese in the crock pot. Yes. Mm. So I slow cook it three, three and a half hours. Uh, with certain ingredients, and then you cook the bacon first, but not all the way. Yeah. Put it in near the end. Sprinkle What's the bacon. What's up with that in invite? Yeah, I'll I, gladly skip my family. Uh. I'll make you a plate, man. But I do that every year. Does beloved BJ prepare a quality turkey? No, we uh, we go to my aunt and uncle's house, and it's solid, but it's not. There's no like standout, out of the ordinary options. Like it's just yeah. you know turkey and stuff and okay. mashed potatoes. It's solid, but I wish. We could mix in a, a little bit more flair in the form mm-hmm. of mac and cheese. Uh, will there be any ham glazing at your apartment any part of Thursday? Yeah, but that's not. That doesn't have anything to do with Thanksgiving. That's just a random Thursday. There's usually ham glazing there. Yeah, well, some people roast ham. Yeah, you know, as opposed to being well, relying on the traditional yeah, what'd you turkey. Think I was talking about? Um, newest Gleeman and, and the Geek podcast. What was stimulating? Thirty seconds. Uh, we talked a lot of prospect. Oh, we got in a big argument. People are sending me tweets saying they hate when mommy and daddy fight. So if you're into me and John Bonus arguing for like 20 minutes and me telling them I'm going to quit the podcast, what? listen to that. We did a good argument. About Where do you that. get it? Uh, Gleeman the Geek. It was the free episode. So GleemanandTheGeek.com yeah. or iTunes or whatever you get Gleeman it. Geek.com. 15 seconds. What was the argument about? Uh, the, the rumors during the offseason. He's basically willing to dive into any rumor he sees, no matter who spread the rumor. Yeah. And I uh, <laughs> didn't want that on my podcast. And he sort of said, well, what's your problem? And I went off on some big oh rant God. about whatever. And, oh, that's yeah. terrific. Yeah, it's good. Uh, do you keep or cut Crone and why? Uh, I believe they will cut CJ Crone. I think it's possible they try to work out a deal at a lesser price with him. But I think the free agent first base market is so crowded that there's no reason to pay him $8 million a year. Uh, for those who missed it like me and uh, read your tweet from afar, uh, why do we need a new hitting coach and do we have a new hitting coach? They, uh, they've they been raided. 
the Twins have lost and may lose another. Derek Shelton, the bench coach, might become the Pirates manager in the next 48 hours or so. But they've lost now, I think, four uh, members of the coaching staff. might be five Derek up. Shelton is Rocco's right-hand man. That's right. He's going to be the Pirates manager. It sounds like about 70 or 80% it'll be him. But it, the good news is that when Garden hires teams were winning, no one tried to poach their coaches because no one really respected the coaching staff. Uh, in one year of Rocco, they're going to lose three or four guys. It, it's tough, but I think they're... Innovative enough and and searching under every rock to find a lot of college guys that they're adding to the organization. So hopefully they'll be okay. Uh, happy Thanksgiving and uh, an early Happy Thanksgiving. Tell beloved BJ yours truly says hello. Uh, many blessings to you and your family, and I'll see you soon. Save me some of that mac and cheese. Aaron Gleeman, uh, who is a uh, connoisseur of quality Manischewitz, along with being a gentleman and a scholar. Weekly nine to noon. AaronGleeman dot com at Aaron Gleeman via Twitter to learn more about his contributions to The Athletic in theathletic.com. When 9 to Noon continues, our final segment amplified by a fantastic Seattle Seahawks bleep talker. It is radio star Softy from Seattle. Next. It's the Gophers and Badgers for the Big Ten West title. Breaks a tackle! Touchdown! Minnesota Golden Gophers! Kick off at 2.30 Saturday on Minnesota's home for the Gophers. FM 100.3. Cut the- I can't wait, I can't wait until tomorrow Cause tomorrow might very well be too late I can't wait, I can't wait until tomorrow Cause tomorrow could never come But I pray the mouth comes But it could be too late I'm ready to smile But for a long while Wouldn't take much to get me down I love my mother Dreaming color Most of all I know my place And tomorrow, 9 to noon, is at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center for the Wednesday Football Feast. Booger McFarland from ESPN joins 9 to noon tomorrow, along with uh, Mike Zimmer and his weekly press conference, followed by Time for Two More on the 9 to noon radio show and uh, Vikings.com. Also, the Burke bit from Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. And uh, puncher Britton Colquitt will make his weekly stop into the Love Covenant a day in front of Thanksgiving. And um, young Britton, undoubtedly, with much for which to be thank uh, thankful, uh, that will take place tomorrow. But uh, we finalize 9 to noon on this Talker Tuesday with my main man, Softy in Seattle. He has a weekday radio show which starts at 5 Central on KJR Seattle. You can listen to it via the free iHeartRadio app like I do, specifically weeks up to big spot Seattle Seahawks games. Softy is a second-to-none bleep talker, and he joins us now. His Twitter handle, at SoftyKJR. Uh, soft ma'am, before we mix it up, let me ask you a question, and good morning, okay? Hello, Paul Allen. Mike Florio joins your show weekly. He's on yep. my show every Tuesday like he was a couple of hours ago. Yep. How does Florio act on your show? 
Well, he will be on my show tonight as well at uh, 5.20 Pacific time, 7.20 Minnesota Viking time. And uh, he acts like the entitled little man he is on, <laughs> on, on, uh, on my show, just like he does on your show. So uh, nothing is different. I mean, listen, Paul, four foot nine, 110 pounds in Minnesota uh, is also four foot nine, 110 pounds in Seattle as it is in West Virginia. So nothing's different with him on my show on Tuesdays. No, he's phenomenal. See, the problem in this business, people are way too uptight in radio, and they take themselves way too seriously in this business. He is not one of those guys, and that's why you and I love having him on the air. Wait, four foot nine, 110 pounds. Are you yes. describing Russell Wilson? Yeah. I always love that Or one. Mike Florio. Wow, you had to go there, huh? You had to talk about the uh, front runner for the MVP, despite what Lamar Jackson did last night. Oh, yeah, right. Disrespecting number three. And you know what? I'm going to make sure Russell Wilson knows that before this game on Monday. <laughs> uh, Russell, in a minute, do you have any idea, Softy? And you're radio immortality, man. That's what I just said on Twitter. Do you have any idea what's rolling into your town Monday night? Uh, do you have any idea what you're rolling into Monday night? Let me just say this, okay? There's, there's a lot of Viking fans all over the country, just like there's a lot of Steeler fans, a lot of Packer fans, and frankly put, a lot of Seahawks fans. Uh, let me explain that to you for a second, Paul, for all your little minuscule Scandinavian brains to understand. The Seahawks fans have been traveling like no other fan base in football in the last couple of years. Every Monday, we do a Seahawk opponent audio recap. In this case, it will be on Tuesday, which we'll get to hear you and your broadcast on Tuesday morning on our radio show. We go back and listen to every single game. And when we play road wins like we did last week in Philadelphia, you can hear the opposing fan base, which in this case is the Seahawks fan base, coming through the speakers louder and clearer than you can the home fans in that certain stadium. So I would just say this. Imagine that, what you get on the road, and then imagine and what you're walking into on Monday night. For all the Viking fans that live here in Seattle, and they're good, honest, hardworking folk, blue-collar people, but I would just say this. Save your money. Don't blow $250, $300 on a pair of tickets for this game on Monday. Imagine all the holiday fun you could have if you saved your cash. Imagine all the gifts you could give your kids, the unbelievable experiences you can present to your wife and loved ones over the holiday season if you just save your money. The Seahawks are 18-2 and on Monday night football. They are 28-5-1 in prime time under Pete Carroll. When those opposing players are sitting in the locker room at CenturyLink Field, before the game on Monday night, a.k.a. the Devil's Lobby, and they're wondering, is this really what I want for my life? Do I really want to go out there and risk life and limb, or do I want to make the right decision, turn around, walk back to SeaTac Airport, get on the plane, and go back to Minnesota a whole man instead of a half a man? Okay, in the words of Lieutenant Aldo Rain from Inglorious Bastards, you will fear us. And you will be disgusted by us on Monday night. Trust me, that is not a move you want to make. Save your money, people, and think of your family during the holidays as opposed to blowing cash on another ass-kicking in prime time at CenturyLink Field. But softy, softy, when it comes to making right decisions, our quarterback, Kirk Cousins, over the last seven games has 18 touchdowns and one interception. Yeah. Do yeah. you know what is yeah. coming into the Cappuccino Capital on Monday night? Yeah, I just ask you who he's done that against. I mean, who's he beaten? Beat the Cowboys? So what? Big deal. Lost to Green Bay. Lost to Kansas City. Hey. Who's he beaten? 
Tell me a tell me a team on that schedule that Kirk Cousins has beaten that I should fear. Russell Wilson walked into Santa Clara last Monday night and beat the 49ers in their own stadium. He beat Richard Sherman, okay? He beat Jimmy Garoppolo. He beat Kyle Shanahan. He <laughs> beat Eric Armstead. He beat D. Ford. He beat that great Niner defense at their own game in front of their own fans in their own turf. You tell me what Kirk Cousins has done. What has Kirk Cousins done with his life besides beat up on the direct of the NFL? Yeah, yeah but softy. Ah. Okay, now with softy. <laughs> softy in Seattle, at SoftyKJR on Twitter. Follow him as I do. Uh, his radio show at KJR is elite. Five o'clock central. Listen to it via the free iHeartRadio app. Softy. Dalvin Cook is the best running back in the NFL. Do you know what is running into your beloved clink on Monday night? It's Dalvin Cook. I'm actually concerned about Dalvin Cook, to be totally honest yes. with you. The Seahawks have had some issues against the run, and this is going to be a problem on Monday night if they allow it to be a problem on Monday night. And here's what else is potentially a problem on Monday night yeah. for Seattle. I'm not sure about Jadeveon Clowney's availability for the game, Paul. I'm not sure about uh, Jaron Reed's availability for the game, Paul. The last time we saw Jaron Reed, he was walking around in a boot because of a sprained uh, ankle. I use a boot every now and then because I eat like crap. I eat too much steak and I drink too much red wine, and sometimes I get gout in my big Toe. So I have to wear a boot walking around the house because it's too damn painful. I couldn't play on Monday night with even gout in my toe, let alone a freaking sprained ankle. So I'm not sure if Jaron Reed can go in this game on Monday night. So if I were you, what I would do on Sunday, yeah. you're a God-fearing man. I would come to Jimmy's. I would enjoy a nice breakfast on me if if, uh, if you call for it, if the budget's too tight this holiday season uh, and you need some help financially. you got no problem buying you and your crew breakfast at Jimmy's on first across the street from the stadium. Go find a church, drop to your knees, and pray to God that Cloudy and Jaron Reed don't play in this game on Monday. Well, speaking of church, copyright Matthew 1128. Thank you for being in my verbal yoke right now. And since this is the Mutual Admiration Society, you mentioned Dalvin Cook potentially being a problem. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I mean, everybody knows Russell's a problem. Despite three games against Zimmer, uh, he's averaging 162 passing yards per game. He has found a way to win two of them. Puna Ford is a problem, okay? Puna Ford is a freaking problem for the way we play football. Mark my words, Puna Ford, softy. Well, I I just, uh, again, imagine for all the people listening to the radio show right now and uh, Norty in the studio or in the uh, the control room, I just need to uh, take a look at Paul Allen. Imagine six of Paul Allen all together in one big, gigantic piece of clay. Mm. That's Puna Ford. That's what Puna Ford looks like. Puna Ford is slightly taller than Mike Florio, but is about half a mile wider than Mike Florio. That's how big he is. As a matter of fact, the Seahawks only play with two defensive linemen because Puna Ford can act like five of them. That's how big he is against the run. I'm slightly being sarcastic, but not all the way sarcastic. He's one of the best run-stuffing defensive tackles in the NFL, and he's been that way for the last couple years. So I'm glad to hear you give Puna a little credit. You're going to see a bit of a different Seahawks defense though on Monday night, Paul, than what you guys have seen in years past. They've been looking for a nickelback the entire year, and they haven't found one, so they've said the hell with it. They're playing K.J. Wright. They're playing Bobby Wagner, and they're playing Eric Kendrick's brother, Michael, 
who might be on his way to prison, by the way, over the offseason for insider trading. We'll see if that actually ends up happening or not. But those guys are so good. Those three linebackers are so good, they can't get them off the damn field. So you'll see the Seahawks in base defense almost the entire game on Monday night. All right, 45 seconds. You know how important the clock is. I'm going to give uh, I'm going to I'm going to compliment um now I'm going to ask you a question. Why why the desperate move on Josh Gordon? 30 seconds, give it to me. Because their wide receivers aren't good enough. Have you seen Jerron Brown at all this season? Jesus. You haven't. He was even inactive last week versus Philadelphia. They've got two guys the entire year that they felt comfortable going to. Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf. And D.K. Metcalf's a rookie, and that's it. And by the way, do not disrespect Josh Gordon. Do not sleep on Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon has been a third-down slant savant for this football team. In the two games he's been here, he might be one of the best slant route runners in the NFL. We've seen that so far in two games. He's just getting freaking warmed up, and I expect him to play an even bigger role in this game on Monday against you guys. Softy, I'll see you Monday. I'll do the best I can to get to Jimmy's. Um, in advance, I'd like to apologize for the Seahawks' third loss at home this season, and we'll chat soon. Listen, like I said, don't waste your money. Think of the kids before you spend money on Seahawks tickets on Monday night. Bye, Softy. See ya. Uh, we are at TCO Performance Center tomorrow, and uh, we thank you very much for listening to this Talker Tuesday today. Mm-hmm. Softy, uh, KJR, once again, 5 o'clock Central is when the show begins. Listen to it via the free iHeartRadio app. My man is second to none. Like my producer, Mad Producer One, that's his rapping name. Uh, this evening, he will be opening for Tyler, the creator, at uh, Myth and Maplewood. Uh, Eric Nordquist by day, Mad Producer One by night. Have a great day. Wrap on show. And thanks to Metropolitan Ford. We love Metropolitan Ford. Eric Bjorgard, everybody with Metropolitan Ford. For sponsoring and supporting the 9 to Noon Show Wraps. My man Howard from Chicago hooks me up with kosher salami just in time to bunker down for the snow-nami. Trying hard to focus on routes to beating Bucky. Ian Leonard's is six to eight inches. Sauce says lucky. More grossed out by a gory horror flicker during break. Witnessing PA's elongated nose pick. Zimmer in a meeting pretending to listen to Rick. Watching the trail cam on his phone. Deer approaching the salt lick. Expectations for Monday night. Goals lofty. Don't get beat down by loudmouth softy. In the mood to drive to Diamond Joe's and get risky. Just don't ride a mortgage payment on Mitchell Trubisky. As Blueprint said, before you peak, love the climb. Eight and three with Captain Kirk in his prime. But first, board a battle at TCF starts the parlay. Northrop Mall, you buckle up and get ready for game day. Stop him! Stop him! Stop him! Podcast today's Paul Allen Show. Or listen back to previous show and interviews by going to the iHeartRadio app or KFI.